Hello everyone, welcome to another Friday Night Dice. No campaign tonight, instead we're doing a podcast. This is going to be episode 3 of our podcast series. Tonight we're actually talking about 1D&D. I am actually joined by two other members of our Friday Night Dice cast. I am actually joined by Sean and Bailey. Hello guys, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing alright. How about yourself? Five times the charm. <laughs> hey, you know? Uh, <laughs> got it eventually. It's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just the low rolls tonight, you know? Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> starting a podcast, if you're watching this live, yeah, that took me, I think I rolled like three nat ones and a couple of low rolls after that. So that's a really, really great start for us here. So, yeah. But yeah, one D and D. Before we get, before we dive into everything about what one D and D is, oh, just give an overall like. Do you guys like it or you don't like it? Um, it's definitely playtest for a reason. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. Overall, I think it's a fine direction for a new edition of D and D. With some major caveats. It's very different from 5e. Um, and we'll get into why in a minute. Or the rules and whatnot. Um, in my personal opinion, it's limiting a lot of the options. And giving you new options in other ways, but not to the same extent. Which I'm not a fan of, personally. Hmm. I mean, I... I know it's an evolution of the game, and a lot of people have the first. The first iteration of D and D has been Five E, whether it's been through friends or COVID or Critical Role, because we all know Critical Role has been the poster child of D and D for the past, you know, what like four or five years now. Um, they've been they've been around more than that, but it's really in the last four or five years they've really skyrocketed and everything. Um, but a lot of their people have been coming from 5e, so they really can't do too much changes to alienate that group. And I think making some things easier is a good and bad thing. But a lot of this rules that they've put in are actually house rules and uh, stuff like that. And, uh, of course, all playtests, when they come out with a UA and stuff, does come with a PDF file, uh, which we see right on the screen here. Um, but we're going to actually jump ahead to the rules section because a lot of this stuff jumps into about talking about certain rules and stuff like that, but they don't define what the rules are till the end of the document. So we're actually going to jump ahead to the end. So you guys said you want to talk about the, uh, rules test, which is the D20 test, I believe was the first part we want to dive into. Yes. Um, yeah. so for a quick overview, any test that you make on a nat one, or, well, test being a skill check, a attack roll, and a saving throw, if I remember correctly. On a d20, a 20 always succeeds, and a 1 always fails. Um, previously in 5e, it was only attack rolls where 20s always succeeded and were crits, and 1s were always a failure, not so much skill checks or saving throws, um, which is one thing that specifically Leo doesn't like is the nat ones on saving throws. Uh, he doesn't like that you can't fail specifically. Um, but, oh, and in addition to that, anytime you roll a nat 20, you get an inspiration point. Yeah, I think we can 
cover circle back around to inspiration in a bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, auto success and auto failure in ones and twenties is fine. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's fine. Um, as for, I'm not a big fan of the auto success for the skill check, unless if you can redefine what a success is, like for the, some of the most out of left field examples. Oh, I want to jump to the moon. Okay, make an athletics check. Nat 20, I ought to succeed. Doesn't, uh, but in, as a DM, personally, I want to make that necessarily succeed to where he jumps to the moon. That would be absolutely ridiculous or similar things like that, as opposed to he has the a neutral result where, like, well, you can't get to the moon because that's physically impossible, but you didn't hurt yourself in the attempt. Right, but as a yeah. DM, you can't put yourself... I think the biggest thing is you cannot put yourself in that position uh, where, that, where you have that effect happen. Because obviously, if you're going to say, oh, I'm going to jump, you know, 60 feet in the air... There's already rules in place on how high you can jump and everything. Just follow those rules. Don't leave it out there hanging out that that's going to be... You're going to put yourself in that situation, really. Um, well, you don't really I'm, need a rule safeguard of yourself to do something... Pardon my, pardon my French, but something dumb, you know? Yeah. For how long in D&D's history has, have we had horror stories about the character that wanted to do something impossible... But they rolled a nat twenty. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the D and the problems always circles back to the DMs new at the game. They don't know how to handle it, and these rules don't really give you much guidance on how to handle it as a new DM. Right. Well, you can't make rules on experience. You know, it's all about experience there. Like, and you just have to grow as a DM, learn from your mistakes and everything, and go from there. Um, and you can learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> the other thing, I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, is how, how critically you can't do... Uh, spells cannot critically hit. I know we had a lot of discussions around the game before one of our sessions about that, and that would, that's, been, that's been a big point of contention here. Right. You guys, like, how do you feel? Like, I'm... If that is the way you deal damage as your character... I'm okay with that. You know, you can't yeah. do, like, you can't do a critical hit on a fireball. Yeah, that's, that's a saving throw for that. Any, any major big damage spells, for the most part, are save base. So you're not going to roll the critical hit and do double fireball damage unless you twin spell. Because that, that's a whole nother beast and a whole nother animal. That's sorcery. Um, sorcerer stuff. But... Um, but if you're doing like Eldritch Blast, Eldritch Blast is basically another variation of saying a arrow or a crossbow bolt. I mean, that's essentially what the Warlock's doing. Yes, they can shoot a lot more at higher levels, but that's higher levels. I mean, that's my that's my two cents. Well, their uh, races or not races, other class get multiple attacks at higher levels. So there's uh, specifically with the cantrip to attacks equivalent. I don't see why there's a reason on capping it that there is, you can't, what's the word? Can't crit with those. Oh, and here's, here's the part that irks me, really grinds my gears. Everything that really doing, grinds my gears. <laughs> the, 
the designers keep talking about streamlining, right? This is the opposite of streamlining. Now it's like, all right, you're rolling an attack. Well, it's a natural 20, okay. Uh, well, that means it automatically hits, but does it crit? Well, no, because it's a firebolt. Right. It's just more bookkeeping. I feel like, well, maybe in the playtest rules, we don't know if it'll be in the actual rules of 1D&D. &D. I feel like it's probably, if it is, it's probably going to be house ruled in a lot of tables where you can critically hit with, with attack roll spells, at least. It's not like, I mean, the spells that can crit are the weaker spells anyway. Right. Yeah, that's, that was my point, yeah. Spells that can hit... Well, if you miss, it does jack, but if you crit, then it does double. Well, if you have a saving throw damage dealing spell like Fireball or other things, if you if they fail the save, it does full damage. If they make the save, they still take half, as opposed to if you miss with the attack roll, it misses. Yeah. Like, and, why? And, you know, getting hit by a Fireball sucks, but uh, failing a save on Banishment? That's yeah. just that's just the role. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I guess we can move ahead a little bit on the, uh, the one other big rule is the grappling rule. Now, I guess this is going to turn monks to learn now instead of just kicking and punching karate or whatever. Now they can learn jujitsu now apparently, and grapple is one of their attacks and do other things. Grappling has been a very weak point in D and D five E and progressively through. This is a huge. This is almost feels like a huge buff, guys, doesn't it? If yes. I remember correctly, if you make an attack roll instead of doing damage, you can instead grapple them. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Yes. Um, um, and yeah. also, as part of the condition, now they can, instead of using their action to try to escape, they get a saving throw at the end of each of their turns to escape a grapple. Right. Really, it's, it's no, it's no longer contested now. It is a straight up, um, I, it's a straight up like if I attack you and hit you, you are grappled, and then I can, and then there's other things like there might be other feats or something like you can actually you can pull them down to the ground to tackle them down to the ground, and then your and your teammates can attack them with opportunity attacks, and you can't, and your movement speed zero, so you can't move or anything either, so. It's pretty complicated. <laughs> and then that goes back to the thing. It's like, you want to make it easier, this is actually making it more complicated, isn't it? No, it, it's always been this It's always been this complicated, but with the added bonus of, you know, contested skill checks. And, it, and I'd like to mention as well that if you are grappled, you have disadvantage on tackles on, on creatures other than the grappler, which I think is a huge buff and I actually really like personally. Oh, yeah. It, makes, it, it gives you a reason to grapple somebody as opposed to, oh, they can't move anymore. What the frickin' do? I mean, I wouldn't want to do that as the monk, but I might as a barbarian. Right. Well, I think it is based off of offhand. Uh, on, 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 um, on it is based on arm strikes. On arm yeah. strikes but... yeah, so the monk will automatically be able to get into that. And I'm also thinking about this. Remember um, my uh, orc monk? No. Having five attacks. The uh, Path of the Beast Barbarian Monk. Yeah, yeah the Path of the Beast Barbarian Monk with um, also... Oh, yeah, Path of... 
beast monk with barbarian and having five attacks on a turn and being able to just grapple them and just go boom, 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 and just pound them like on the ground, you know, round and pound. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you go in MMA, I guess. On the, <laughs> it's interesting because of how it makes certain grapple grappling builds much easier to come up with because prior you'd be like okay well i want advantage so i want to be a barbarian but i want expertise so i also want to throw in a level of rogue (laughs) for the sneak attack no just for the expertise on the the grappling check when you back when it was a skill check Mm, now i mean it does make it means that I mean, it's weird because it means that uh, wearing plate mail makes you harder to grab. Rather than just straight up being stronger. Right. That part I don't personally like about I, it. I don't get either because you can, you, because, I mean, you, have you either you taken martial arts at all? When I was like five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did take martial arts for a couple of years in college, when I was in college in, in my last year of high school. And the more clothing somebody is wearing and the more gaps they have in their clothing, the easier it is to grapple them. And they actually teach you how to grapple people specifically wearing certain sets of clothing, whether it's a gi, whether it's a shirt, whether it's a jacket, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And there are ways to grapple onto people and basically pin that arm by just by just taking your fingers and twisting it in your hand and now you have no more use of your left arm and you're not going anywhere and i can move you and do whatever i want with you you could do the same thing in plate mail plate mail has gaps it's la- it's layered plates on top of each other you can get your hand up in there and grab like a like a belt or when leather straps or something and you can have still have full control not to mention that the person is going to be less movable because again if you go back to the rules of wearing heavy armor your dexterity modifier for your armor goes down, and you have decreased in stealth and other things. So you take dexterity penalties when you wear heavy armor like that. So unless you brute strength yourself out of it, I mean, I'm no, I'm no applying real life to D and D, whatever it's fantasy world. But, <laughs> but I really don't see this makes it easier. You have other things to grab onto and grapple with. I mean, that's my opinion. I think we're more so saying it's easier, like. A random wizard could nat 20, well, granted, nat 20 is an auto success, but could potentially grapple a, a giant on a high attack roll as opposed to actually needing to fight the giant's uh, athletics or or any other creature's acrobatics. There is still in- size restrictions. Is there? Yes, you can't grapple something more than one size larger. Okay, I'm not seeing it blatantly in there, but... <laughs> it was mentioned somewhere, like, you have to, like, use... Um... Uh, this grapple is only possible if the target is no more than one size larger than you, and if you have a hand free to grab the target. Uh, shoving, by the way, which is sometimes better, is also only possible for targets one size larger than you. Some giants, which I think are large, right? Like, uh, or are they also? N- you're thinking like ogres. Maybe. 
Yo, giants, giants could grapple you with their pinky. I mean, come on. <laughs> but I mean that that is kind of a funny image of just the wizard having like a plus three to hit and grappling the knight in shining armor. It's, a, it's, it's a definitely a possibility as opposed to fighting the knights uh, or acrobatics. Does it say what the escape DC is? Uh, escape yes. Grappled, you can make a dexterity or, sa- or strength saving throw against the grappled grapples escape DC at the end of each of your turn, ending you can turn yourself on a success. The condition also ends the, the, grapple uh, <clears throat> the grapples escape DC equals 8 plus your strength modifier plus your proficiency bonus. Hello, 404 Packet Loss. Thank you for the uh, first time chat. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. I, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> but at least the grapple is getting some love, finally. I mean, that's that's the big thing, I think. Yeah, I don't... I don't hate these changes. No. They're weird, but I don't hate them. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else in the rules section you want to hit on real quick? I mean, I know spells. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Is there anything before spells? Uh, yeah, if you could go up to Inspiration on page 19. Sure, I could do that. I I am on 19. Inspiration. Uh, This Inspiration's been inflated, guys. We're we're getting lots of it. Anytime, as I said earlier, Anytime you roll on that 20 on a test, you get inspiration, which I like that it's more common because it's kind of an overlooked aspect of D&D, for, in my opinion, personally. Unless if you kind of shoehorn uh, inspiration to the game, like we can, we do it on every level mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, for those of you who don't watch our regular shows, um, we do... And ours, when you level up, you do get a DM inspiration to use anytime, and you gain another one once you level up again. Of course, you also have the Bard's inspiration. There's other various ways to get inspiration as well. But rolling a net 20, basically giving you a silvery barbs effect, I, I personally don't like it really, honestly. I mean, I've seen a lot of people already coming up with their house rules for this. Some of these are house rules that they're just incorporating, too. (laughs) Well, yeah. A lot of people are like, okay, we're going to change this to inspirations on natural ones. Because the problem that they see with inspiration on nat 20 is, well, then your next roll is going to roll twice and have twice the chance of another nat 20. I see what you're saying. And then if if you're an elf with elven accuracy... Yeah. It's I from people that have actually play tested this, I've heard that it's Thank you for the follow. Fine. But it's it feels especially for like I feel like our group is already so good at building characters that are very powerful in the world that giving them just all of the advantage all of the time on top of it is too much. And it's not like you're ever going to lose the inspiration 
Um, if you if you have inspiration and you gain another inspiration point in 5e, you just straight up lose it. In the playtest we have here, if you already have the inspiration, you can pass it off onto somebody else in your group so it doesn't get lost. And we're always, I mean, if you if we're getting all this inspiration, we're using it, so we're not losing it on a short or on a long rest either. Right. So a lot more advantage than what's absolutely necessary. Oh, um, I just remembered something about the critical hits if we don't yep. mind going back. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna get into that too, but go ahead. Um, one thing I think we forgot to mention about the critical hits is monsters can't critical hit. Oh yeah, that was I mentioned that. So yeah, I do not like that at all. <laughs> no, I love even not as a DM. I don't like that at all. You guys, I. It doesn't even like what Jeremy Crawford has said. The design intent here is that monsters already have their own mechanic for suddenly ramping up tension in recharge abilities, but like that's only one out of every ten monsters. Yeah, not every monster has recharge ability, especially at lower levels. And for those of you following along, critical hit is when you roll a natural twenty on a die again, means you automatically succeed on whether check that is. Or you automatically critical hit something, which means you do double the dice damage plus your modifier. So instead of doing like if you roll and you hit, roll 20, you do get the hit in. But instead of rolling 1d6 or 6 out of die to do the damage, you actually roll two of them. Add those together plus your modifier, which is either your strength, dexterity, usually modifier, uh, to that damage. You're doing double the damage, basically. And yeah. monsters cannot do that, apparently, in one D&D. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's also a bit that people have been talking about that uh, the way they worded critical hits in the playtest, it's only the damage die of the weapon. So sneak attack dice no longer get doubled. Smite no longer gets doubled. But we also don't know what sneak attack and smite look like in the playtest yet. So I'm not, I don't really care. Yet. Right. But monster's not critically hit. <laughs> Hashtag <It's>, yet. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> yeah, but monsters not critically hitting. We we haven't seen a single monster play test. No. Here's I mean, if you want a quick house rule to use these rules and actually get the stated design intent of the designers, give monsters of your choice a recharge ability that lets them replicate the effects of a crit. Like a legendary like another variation of legendary action is what you're saying? No, a, like a recharge ability, like uh, the monster can choose to automatically hit the target and deal extra damage, uh, but they can only do it after, again, once they've rolled a six on a d6. Oh, like a breath weapon. Like a breath yeah. weapon. That would, mean, that would mean everybody could, that means every single monster you could fight would open as would open with a critical hit. Though. That... Well, it would unless you, unless would you automatically say they're with, not they're not charged yet at the beginning of combat. It, it the point is, as the designers intended, the DM can control when that happens. Sometimes you just gotta let the chips fall where they lie, and I mean, part of D and D is gambling. I mean, it is like you're taking a Try. chance and rolling the dice, and that's what you get. <laughs> 
Uh, look, trust me, I know my first it's not character got for everybody. I mean, my my first character got crit by the that bugbear in uh, Lost Minds of Fendelver and died. Yeah, and a lot of people will tell the exact same story about that exact bugbear critting their first character. Oh yeah, and it's happened multiple. Well, multiple like, people. like when in our game, Ryan getting crit by a hill giant <laughs> at level two. Yeah, second, first or second play session in this current campaign, Ryan goes down from a critical hit from a giant right off the back, and it's like, uh, it got real. <laughs> and I mean, I get the designer's intent. It it would be cool to you know have control over that, but it's not necessary, and it's not really, it's not necessary. I've given you some rules to you know, actually make the rules work the way they intended, and because, you know, these rules don't do that. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Because um, now monsters are just weak. I think that's about it, because, I mean, the only other thing to note is that um, Tremor Sense is not vision anymore. It is a f it's a feeling <laughs> apparently <laughs> now. Um, so well, it's not a visual thing. It's like you can't see the thing. You can feel the I'm, thing. You just can't see the thing. I'm fine with that because the way it was originally worded, they just didn't tell you if it was actually sight or not. Right. right. Yeah, they never specified. Yeah, they did clarify that. A lot of, and a lot of 1D&D is DMG Heroes... Uh, oh, sorry, Heroes Handbook. Uh, Player's Handbook. Reiterations. And it's just catching up with the current releases from the game that are going like, well, rules as written from 10 years ago <laughs> say this. And, yeah. It's expansions. Yeah, um, it's basically expansions, um, arguments with the original rules as written set from 10 years prior, and they're just trying to clean some of that stuff up, too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just as a broad stroke everything that in the rules glossary that's just clarifying rules is awesome and a uh, brief note spells broken down into three lists but we don't know anything about how that's going to do anything so uh, and your muted saber there you go um, yeah, we're talking about the spells. Their spells are broken into three sections. We only got this zero and first level spells, zeros being cantrips. Uh, cantrips are spells you can use unlimitedly. And they're broken into three sections. One's Arcane, which is the spell and the control of the weave. One is set to Divine, which basically says your god or patron give these spells to you. And the other one is Primal, which also could be patron-based, but it's also um, nature nature based the na nature or natural world around you gives you these spells although no, it gives you these spells and you guys immediately i think you were one of the first ones to find this find this there's one spell that's missing from this list well uh shout out to treant monk who spotted it and that's where i found out that's where you found out i know one of you found out before even dream monk even sent out the thing that um everybody's favorite cantrip unlimitedly Eldritch Blast is not on the list. We got every other spell of these levels from the player's handbook. 
Eldritch Blast is not on the list, so maybe it's going to be a Warlock feature? Well, I mean, there is that part where... If you, if you look at the progression of Eldritch Blast, remember that when they came out with... I think it was Strixhaven, that you can pick up um, a feat, a Warlock kind of feat, where you got a... Or there was like a Warlock... You can get spells... And one of, the, one of the spells was on the Warlock spell list, which you can get Eldritch Blast. But there was a note saying there that if you don't have... Oh, no, wait. It was the um, uh, the Warlock... Um, oh, what's the extra power stuff? I always forget what they're called. The, invocations? Um, yeah, the invocations. Like, you, you can't take the invocations to power up Eldritch Blast unless you are a Warlock that meets those requirements. So yeah. so when that came out, and now we're seeing this, where Eldritch Blast is not even on the list, and knowing that it could just be a feature from an actual Warlock class now, that does track on the progression of where Eldritch Blast was going in. Yeah, I what mean... Would you, what would you classify Warlock spells as? Would they be... Um, the, earlier in this document, they clarify that uh, warlocks are arcane spellcasters. They're okay. arcane, they're not divine. Well, I mean, divine is more holy, I guess you could say. But, uh, I, but mean, they, I always mean to consider them primal. Well, I mean, it could go anywhere, really. Well, there's yeah. a celestial warlock, which I believe has a divine feature. But well, it yeah, should also exactly. be clarified that... Um, Classes might take from multiple lists, despite being broadly categorized in one. So, like, bards are arcane spellcasters, but they might take some divine and primal spells. And there are some spells that fall in the list in multiple areas, like Cure Wounds is under divine and primal. So yes. there are spells that go across multiple... Um, areas of, I guess, definition, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I, I think broadly wizards will have arcane, clerics will have divine, druids will have primal, and everyone else is gonna be somewhere broadly in, in... Somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in between. Go ahead, Bailey. I wasn't saying anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> But do note that uh, shield is um, shield is on uh, the arcane area, though. So yeah, interesting. Okay, bards and warlocks with shield, yeah. yay! Which means clear again. But that does track. Clerics don't get shield unless they. Well, I mean, again, when you say it could take multiple baths, multiple angles, that um, you can still get some of these spells from cleric you get from the arcane list depending on what their subclass is, because the subclass can start tapping into some of these other areas again, because what it is now, like when you take a class with a subclass, the subclass will give you some spells that are not normally in that person in that class's actual spell list. It'll give you spells from other uh, classes spell lists usually. So So in optimization yeah. you get a spell from your a race, you can spell from a feature, you can spell from your subclass, and it gives you more options to go from. And it doesn't even count against the number of spells. Usually, it doesn't count the number of spells you actually learn. So, it gives you more stuff to choose from. Do we want to jump on into the races then? Oh, yes. Let's get racial. Let's go racial now. 
Oh boy. So character races. Now there's a little the biggest change for character races by far. And this has been a progressing thing because of uh, I believe it was Tasha's right when I started doing this is opening up where your ability scores are not tied to your race. And now they've completely broken that off out of race. It's not a based on race anymore. It's actually based on your background. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about race first, though. So, talk about race, guys. Uh, you want to go by the various races, or you want to just go with the like general overview of it first? Uh, well, general overview, I like most of them. Uh, half races are gone. Half orcs, half elves. Eh, they're still there. They're they're still there, but it's not like in order to be a half race, you don't have to you don't have to mate with a human. <laughs> you can have an elf go with an orc. You can have a. They're, they're there in the capacity that the dwarf elf has always existed. There's no rules for them. The rules are. Pick one of the two races. Right. If you're a half race, you pick one of the two and you average out the lifespans. That's it. Yeah, because so, half elf changing, or, changing sorry, the four. appearance of your character, that you don't that's always been a thing you can do. You don't need to be a half race to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean some of these a, but some races do have multiple feats though. I mean, I do. I don't want to mention that part because some races do have multiple feats you could choose from. You could do a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. You can't just you, well, you can't have to do all column A, all column B, right? You could do one of each, right? No, the the oh. sidebar here says you have to choose one of the races to give you mm. your stats. So if you're a traditional half orc or human orc hybrid, you either get the human benefits or the orc benefits. You cannot make at all. Then what's the point of making a half thing, other than for story purposes? It yeah. Bingo. Do a little bit of column A and column B people. It's fine. I, I think that's one big argument I would have when filling out the uh, thing is like I would just like take like I'll take the Indominal from Orc while I take the Fate like Fate Touch from Elf, you know, or something like that, you know? Well and the thing that people will say is that could get, you know, a little power gamey where you take one, two, and, and then you're just like, well, I've got the best from here and the best from here and left everything else behind. And then you still going to leave out something. I mean, I mean, with Fate Touch, like, if I, if I jump down to, say, Elf here, wherever Elf is here. Uh, oh, being down here. Uh, elf. Not like, you could take, like, thing. so you don't get keen senses. So, like, say I take one thing from work, one thing I take, like, fey interest ancestry from elf. I won't get keen senses, which means I don't have proficiency in perception skills. And I can't trance, which means I have to sleep six hours. I don't have the four-hour thing where I can stay up half the night. I lose those. Oh, so, so you're, like, saying you pick only one from each as... I guess it depends. Like, I guess you'd have to balance it to where all the races have the same number of feats and backgrounds, I guess. I guess is what you would have to do. Um, yeah. If I remember correctly, 
human pretty much only has one where you get the extra feet. I mean, it does have a couple others. Human, human has a human has a few more here. The actually, big one is the extra. Humans actually have three. They have resourceful, skillful, and versatile. Resourceful, you gain inspiration whenever you finish a long rest, which means they're going back to the, the inspiration thing that we we're talking about before. Uh, how it's being instead of just getting it like we do, we level up. You basically start with it every single morning when you get up with the birds start tweeting and stuff. Uh, skillful, you gain proficiency in one skill of your choice. And then versatile is you gain a skill fee or another first level feat of your choice. So you gain uh, any, feet, any feat you want. Which I guess you could say half orc half thing would actually be more broken because now you can actually have, an, a, you could be a fighter half orc for the dominable and take the versatile feat of like, say, um, a sentinel or something like that. Well, the, if it's a first level only, feat, though, if it's a first level feat, and if you're if you're looking at any feats from the player's handbook that aren't in this, they're not a first level feat. So you're not right. getting polearm master, you're not getting great weapon master, sharpshooter, crossbow expert, any of the broken ones, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no optimization pre six for six level. Okay. <laughs> now, I mean, leveling the feats like that, good job. But we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Because that, that everybody took, oh, take versatile human and get like ran, random feet and level four. I'll get the other feet that goes with it. And then pfft, I'm super boss now. Yeah. I mean, or you can be a halfling gnome with uh, advantage on wisdom, uh, advantage on all your mental saves, and lucky from the halfling. But that's, I still think that's fine. Maybe. I mean, you don't. Ha I mean, you're not being a set tier, which you have like all magic attacks. I'm, I get advantage on. True, true. I mean, we'll, okay, with the whole like all this racial stuff and like that. Do you think this will open up the table more? To I mean, we'll break down each race that they've revealed here in a second. But one more thing before we get into that is, like, do you think this is going to open up the races a little more to not have as many races banned from the table? Or do you think this is going to be races banned just because they're just that strong? Because some races were nerfed in this. For the biggest one being Mountain Dwarf, of course. Hmm. I, I don't think any of these races will be banned. Yeah, the, the biggest problems with the races or the two biggest problems with banning races with people were flight speed or magic resistance which yes. none of these things have one of them has a flight speed that you can use as a bonus action you can only use it so many times per day and if you are not held up by something at the end of your turn you fall so it's, it's actually not, it's, it's actually not even the end of your speed, turn it's a Extra it's a jump. Like, uh, width area. Is it not? It is not the end of your turn. It's, it's the, the end, end of your, of your bonus okay, action. Yeah. yeah, so you don't even get to take an action up in the air. You just fall. Yeah, you, like, you have to, like, perch on something at the end of that bonus action, or you just fall and take damage. Like they took completely took hovering out, which, which I is, guess we can go into Ardling real quick. And I mean, there's like an Ardling. I get it's weird. They took 
shifter mixed it into the um Asimar? As Asimar. Asimar, Asimar, depending on how you want to say it. <laughs> potato potato. Um and they mixed them together so they made Asimars be um animal like animal like people. Which I'm cool with because oh, we had we had three different versions of a cat. We had, we had a turtle, multiple different kinds of birds, no canines. Oh, we actually, sorry, we had a hippo, we had an elephant, each on their own races, but we didn't have any dogs. We didn't have any other kinds of, I guess, furry kind of people. And this kind of merges them together, which I'm kind of like, why do we make all the furries also be angels? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's... If you're gonna say that this is your dog race, then this is not this is not what you're looking for. No, it wasn't what I was looking for per se. I'm but okay if, with it, but that's not what yeah. I was looking for. <laughs> if you're gonna say this is like your second angel race, then yeah, cool. It's I mean, the flavor is kind of neat. It's got that like gods of Egypt feel. Yeah. And while we're on this as well, um, anthropomorphic. This, There's this a, shows a lot of other things <laughs> where they're where they technically have a sub race. Like previously, you had like um, half drow, half whatever. Sub races aren't as much of a thing anymore. In fact, elves, for example, they're just elf. Ability-wise, at least, they don't you you don't get new abilities with each subrace of elf. I mean, you um, kind of do, but yeah, one for you kind of do. You get this one, for example. You do get you do get abilities based off of your subrace for the Erdling, um, but it is spells. It's not abilities. Yeah, it's like, just but one could argue spells are abilities. Though. Though. <laughs> I mean, true and. Yeah, I, I prefer actually having abilities like the Drow, for example. They had the boosted dark vision, but they had the uh, reduced, or they had the sunlight sensitivity. Well, so I mean, we're, elf races, you got like an extra cantrip. We'll get to some extra. We'll get uh, to elves, and you'll see Bailey right. that a lot of that's still there. It's, it's just it's hidden. still there. Yeah. Is it hidden? Okay. Yeah, well, not really. It's that buried hidden. A you bit. just didn't look yeah. hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay. but just finishing up the hardling thing. Yeah, there's three different types: is exalted, heavily, and idyll idyllic. The suggested animals again are suggested. The dog fell into the idyllic, which was actually the strongest pairing of spells. I know you and I know Sean and I discussed this one. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's just yeah, guidance, guidance and, and healing, healing word are huge. Um, animal messenger, take it or leave it. Animal messenger it's, is just flavor, and I think it's just a balance out the first two because the first two are the strongest pairing of the first and third levels of the other two. I mean, I have had players in my games at like fifteenth level cast animal messenger. Is it just message? No, it's sending but slow. Hmm. It's a uh, free spell for a lot of sub classes. 
Yeah. Isn't it? It's. It might even be a ritual Why? for like druids and such. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up oh. here. Animal messenger here. Here, let me pull it up on our uh, on our demo field here. Uh, shot here. Um, oops. Yeah, it's a free Keep talking, spell, I'll find the screen here. A of... <laughs> it's a free spell for a lot of if I remember correctly, which is why it might have seen more use. Uh, it's also a free spell for the uh, optional rules for the Tasha's Ranger. It's a ritual spell, so if you're a ritual caster, like a druid or a cleric, and you have access to the spell, you don't have to spa use a spell slot. And it's a first level spell as opposed to a third. Second, but yes. Oh, yeah, like second, yeah, second level enchantment ritual with an action. It lasts for 24 hours, actually. So instead of being an instant, oh, I think about a telephone call across the planet. Um, it's actually a, um, it, ta it takes the length of the travel of whatever it, animal you use. Yeah, you, I mean, you take a pigeon and turn it into a carrier pigeon. Yes, and it does, but, but the thing about it is there's no limit on how long the message can be. Where message is limited to 25 words, it doesn't look like there's a limit. Other no, than just only, range. This is limited to the range that your animal can get in the duration of the spell. And when you upcast, you increase the duration. I'm sorry, no, it is 25 words. It's also 25 words. So this is actually yeah. a weaker version of it. Instead of it's 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 limited to basically fifty miles. Yeah. If it's a flying messenger. 25 miles if it's a land animal. It is also a lower level spell and a ritual spell. So you don't have to spend a spell slot like you do with sending. Right. I just got to check this, make sure that's there. Yep, it is cool. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, sending you have the guarantee of it getting only a 5% chance of it, you know, going into the void as opposed to the mess animal messenger. Well, if somebody's going hunting... Messenger might die. This is also true. I have, I have seen animal messengers get shot out of the sky. Yeah. Now, also, now note that animal messenger would not work with um, Fine Familiar because Fine Familiar does have a range where they go poof. I believe. No, it's a range where you can no longer talk to your familiar. Oh, so you could. So this could go with Fine Familiar with one of your guys as like owls, and you can send your owl as a messenger. Yeah, and could you? You could command it to poof whenever it gets there, and you could bamf it back to you, like automatically. I mean, right? you would, you wouldn't know that the, it's gotten there yet, but I mean, yeah, you could use actions to bring it back without recasting the spell. So yeah. Okay. It's a good spell. It's a little niche, but I have seen it used to great effect. Hey, strict saving guide. You can have an animal. You can get a uh, fine familiar that way. Just saying. <laughs> that would yeah. go hand in hand. Uh, Dragonborns. Big thing about Dragonborns. Dragonborns kind of got nerfed on this. They took out the uh, the uh, bonus action breathing, or have it be kind of one of the attacks or something like that. Like, what's up with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I, everyone thought they were going to go with what they had in Fizzpants, and they just didn't. Yeah, I mean they brought, they reduced it back down to uh, now. One thing is interesting that it, they're all fifteen cone, fifteen foot cones. 
Those no longer 30-foot lines. That's now a 15-foot cone. That's it. Uh, they're all based on dexterity saving throws. Um, and so they made it more simple. And they the all deal 1d10. The DC is based on your constitution modifier, which I don't know about any that's, of you, but... That's what it almost, used to be. That's what it used to be, but the problem was, and still is, that constitution is usually your second best stat. Right. Well, still being second best stat on something that you can use as a utility ability, still not that bad. I mean, I mean or tertiary yeah, ability, using, really, I mean. If you're using it for utility. Yeah, if you're using it for utility, but you're not, you're using this in combat. Ryan's Roar I, is based on Constitution, I believe. True, but how many times have you actually used it? Every combat. And how many times has it actually worked? <laughs> okay, we're playing against Undead. What do you want from me? Blame, ba blame Bailey for that one, not me, okay? <laughs> yeah. I can't uh, but, just turn Roar into Turn Undead, okay? But your, your, roar is, your Roar is also a bonus action. And your roar has a powerful effect of frightening enemies. Oh, yes. To be fair, the frightened condition is one of the more common conditions to be immune to. This is also time. true. Right. Whereas, which, which is why force damage and, and uh, bludgeoning is like the more strongest two damages, I guess, in the game. It, it's like taking poison damage as your main thing and then getting mad at the DM when a lot of creatures have immunity or resistance to poison. It's one of the more so, common ones. Yeah, so... I'm talking about the actual damage. 1d10 plus character level. Mm -hmm. So at level 1, that's less than a cantrip. Um, well, plus, I mean, it's equal to... Actually, it's better than Elger's Blast, because technically, I mean, the distance is shorter, but you can't add the bonus damage to Elger's Blast to level 3. Level two, your, yes. Level two or three. Blast doesn't exist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if it exists. <laughs> okay. 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 It's, it's equal to firebolt. Okay. Let's put that. How, how that? It's it's better <laughs> than yeah. I guess it's better than casting a firebolt. And it hits multiple targets, not just one. And it, but if you compare it to a burning hands, which does three d or three d three d six. Burning hands is a second level spell though, and this is a first, first. level. First level no, spell. it's a first. Burning Hands is a first level spell, fifteen foot cone, Dex save. What? Well, same Dex save. Okay, well, Dex save is the same, but what's the damage? Three d six. Three d six. Okay, so that's three to eighteen versus one to ten. That's actually a lot better. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot better. <laughs> the average. I'm sorry, two to eleven. I'm sorry, two to eleven. Um, average from yeah, average from six up to eleven. Hmm. So it. This is like if you cast a level zero burning hands. <laughs> Although yeah. to be fair, it is it is good in the fact that it doesn't take from your first level spell slots, or it gives you that ability if you aren't a caster. True. Plus, it has um, its own resources of um, based on your proficiency bonus, so you're not using a spell slot for this. Yeah, I mean, it's also burning hands is not a one of the better first level spells it's like mid-range eh, it's 
it's a great first level spell at first level. Yes. First level spells very much get tapered off uh, and, and to pretty much shields, mage armor, uh, and other similar things at much higher levels. Like fifth is when they start really tapering off the damage dealing one at least. Yeah, and so by level 20, this ability is doing 25 damage on average. Isn't bad. No, it's um, it's a fifth level burning hands. And it doesn't use any spell slots. Yeah. Yeah, let's go to the demo field real quick. So, but this... that's at level twenty. So, fifteen foot cone is um, this right here, correct? Uh, half of that. Not half that, right. or it's, fifteen out. It's the square. No, that's right. That's fifteen. That's yeah. There. Uh, well, it's fifth. Uh, oh, the, the end of it is fifteen in diameter, not radius. Um, yeah. So, so it'd be to fifteen here? feet out, and then five feet another. Yeah. So it's there here. So it's, one, two. So it's this. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Slightly I think smaller. you're slightly smaller, but yes. Smaller than that. I mean, I can't give a smaller than that, really. Is that still fifteen? 15 to 30, not 35. I mean, 15 cone goes to here. 5, 10, 15. Yeah, and then then you you go go 15. You go down 15, not 30. So you get this triangle. Mm. All sides are the same length. All sides are the same length. Those aren't the the same length, so it has to be... Then it must be... Then it's this, then. And that's it then. Uh, pretty much. Uh, you, yeah. I mean, I'm sure someone can do a little bit better. There's specific rules for how to do it in Xanathar's, but it's not big. Mm, that's lopsided. So that can't. That's, yeah, it's got to be this. It's going to be hard to, be to get this. more than. Two. It's going to be hard to get more than two, but you usually can get two. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. <laughs> we'll go with we'll go with this one, I guess. Which is the smallest of the two. But from what I understand, it's gonna be the one square in front of you, then the two next rows, I guess, would be three squares. Yeah, yeah that's three squares. Okay, so that's that's so what I have right here is that then. Yes. Pretty much. So at so at the level that our characters are at. What level twelve, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One one d ten plus twelve is doing seventeen damage. On average, not bad. It's not. I mean, it's not bad. It's like a second level spell. Well, considering how many lower level things like skeletons and zombies that you're going up against, I'm sure Rayon would absolutely love to have it. <laughs> have what again? Yeah, the, the dragon's breath. A dragon's. I mean, a dragon's breath that does a d10 plus Ryan's character level. So a d10 average of seventeen. Lower level water that you kind of trip over, mm. like zombies and skeletons. So maxed out would be twenty-one to thirty. Yes. Just for the hell of it, fireball, you get that around level six, right? 
Level five. Level five. Okay. Which does an average of twenty-eight. So the best, but the best you could do with a breath would be a lot less than that. So the only, yeah. So you'd have to be a level twenty to match that. Man, I mean, that's to match your highest level spell slot. Well, that that's a third level spell slot at level twenty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. I didn't upcast that, Bailey. That's average of twenty-eight at level at the level you get fireball. Well, they still well dragonborn dragonborn still get the resistance from the damage type you choose from whatever your lineage you had, along with the damage you do with your breath weapon is the same thing still. Um, you get dark vision because everybody gets dark vision, and they also get the Chaconic language as usual. So no no changes. Fun, there. Yeah, well, no fun point. Uh, they didn't have dark vision before. No, which was kind of weird. Um, yeah, it was kind of weird. But dragons, uh, in a sense, some. I know we had the argument about true sight. Yeah, a lot of them get blind sight. Yeah, blind sight. Yeah, which is not dark vision. That's that's blind sight's different. Yeah, so a lot of dragons also get dark vision. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I. Is it worth the trade-off on the reduction to the breath weapon not being used as an as one of your attacks? <laughs> Bailey, do you think that, like, I know my character would never use that breath weapon because I do more damage total with a single hit. With the weapon you're holding, yeah. At almost every level of play. Would you use it, Bailey? <laughs> if Ketvio was a Dragonborn, would you use this? <laughs> Yes. I think, okay, Kefia yeah. is the wrong one to ask because yeah. Kefia also uses um, those tanks as well. Would somebody like, um, oh, your polar monster guy? <laughs> if yeah, Nicholas wouldn't use this. Would Nick, yeah, see, if this was, if Nicholas was a dragonborn and had this breath weapon, breath weapon would he use this? Probably not. Probably not because he just attacks three times. Personally. Go ahead, Bailey. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not better than attacking three times. I think it would be better for spellcasters, personally, um, because you don't get... The only kind of thing that you get is an upcasted... Uh, not upcasted, a higher-level cantrip as, to, as opposed to multiple attacks, which multiple attacks, you get to add your strength or dexterity bonus on multiple times, which is going to be, on average, better than this, unless if you're given an opportunity, like there's three creatures next to each other. Okay, I should point out that unless you're targeting more than one thing, Firebolt does cool. more damage at level 11. Would Green, yeah, no. would, would green Flame Blade do more? Because that would attack extra targets? I, I don't know that it, mm, it does more. It probably does, like a couple points of damage less than the breath weapon. I'm just throwing out a spell that you could use as a bonus action to add onto a weapon attack if it was better. That would hit multiple targets. That's why I threw that one out there. Not even like, a bonus action. It's an action. Yeah, no, it's an action. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's sexy, yeah. I, it, that's the thing. This scales with level, but so do cantrips. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and cantrips are unlimited. And at most levels of play, this is 
if you can hit two or three targets, this is a little better than your cantrips. Right. I guess it really depends on the game that you're playing. Unless you're a warlock. If you're a warlock, our... warlock dragonborns, you just cast Eldritch Blast. Right. Yeah. Uh, in our giant game, I'm blinking on what it was called. Storm King's Thunder? You guys remember off the top of my head? Storm King's Thunder, yeah. Yeah, Storm King's Thunder, this would be almost worth it. If we were, if you're going up against a bunch of smaller things, though, like when we were fighting the red brands, or every once in a while when there's a group of zombies against you guys, it would be a lot better. I, I guess it kind of depends on the game slash the opportunities that are given. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'd be using this late game, even though it would be a guaranteed 16 damage attack, which on face value would be better than rolling two bad rolls on your damage die on a regular hit on a regular weapon. I, you know, I, I could see this having been useful in the fight that's currently ongoing in our game. If only because we could guarantee some damage. Yeah, guarantee. Yeah, oh yeah, that, that is true. I mean, based on their dexterity, your guarantee is like, hey, what, what are we, level, what, 11, 12 right now? 12. 12. So you're guaranteeing 13 damage based well, on their saving, doing their dexterity saving throw. Yeah, if they, I mean... It, <laughs> And then, you know, if they have absorb elements or resistance to the damage, but... Uh, what's, what's the proficiency bonus at level 11 right now? Is it 3? 4? 3? 4? 4? I think it's 3, because I'm only giving you guys four. a plus 3 right now. Well, yeah, that's your charisma. Oh, that's my charisma. Well, so yours is attached to your charisma modifier. Right, right, right. So it's 4, right? So it's 8 so plus 4, and say you have two. a plus... Best case scenario, plus 3 Nikon. Best case. You're looking at a 15 DC to guarantee um, 12 damage. Yeah. Math. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I... And this is level 25 armor, level 27 armor class Kefia here. Well, that's, that's the thing. The value of this goes up. I hear you laughing back there, Bailey. Don't even... The armor, the value of this goes up as armor class goes up, but it also it, goes down once they start getting legendary resistances. Well, why would that, you use a legendary uh, resistance if it's a tiny amount of damage, uh, as opposed to you know? True. Burns. It burns the resistance though. It would I, burn all the resistances to well, get to better resistances. So then you as the DM has to choose, do I take the 12 straight up damage or whatever I roll? Or yes. do I yes, and save it for something more important? <laughs> but it can Every single time. Unless I'm down to a couple of hit points, I will use it on banishment over the breath weapon. We also have to think about how high deck saves do get on monsters at, at, by this level. Like, if you're fighting Strahd, Strahd has a plus nine. We're not talking about Strahd right now. <laughs> that's, that's later in our campaign, probably. Uh, well, this would be actually five levels after you fight Strahd. You do realize, Sean, that we do have Strahd and, and Vecna in this possible campaign. Both of Strahd them. Strahd was a joke. Strahd is the kid. Yeah, that was a joke. Was a I'm... No, but I'm still vampires. On to that. 
that, that vampire we fought had a plus nine to deck saves. And how long ago was that? Episode uh, 13 was... or 14, I think it was. So half, yeah. like 20, 30 episodes ago. Now, weirdly, the thing that this is, the monster this is most useful against is dragons, because dragons have terrible deck saves. Until you get really Unless high up. Fighting a gold. Dragon on dragon action, guys. Alright, we beat this we beat this dead horse of a breathing thing. Let's move on to dwarves. Now dwarves did see a slight nerf because the mountain dwarf does not have a plus two plus two to the ability tracks because the ability scores once again goes to their goes to a background that you choose. Um they do yeah. get dark vision still, because everybody gets dark vision except for humans. Um you do get dwarven resilience to poisons like that. You still get that. So you get the toughness of the plus one bonus to your HP every level. You get Forge Wise uh, because um, uh, Mirrodin, is that, that's the god, god of the doors, right? Uh, no, Mirrodin is the Welsh word for Merlin. Merlin. You're um, thinking of Moradin. Moradin. Because uh, Moradin gives them the ability of any two, they can get any two proficiency they want. Within reason. I mean, they do get jewelers, masons, smiths, and tinkers. Um, you get actually two of them, I'm sorry. You get two of those choices of those two. And you get stone cutting. Stone cutting, which is... Gives you tremor that, sense. Gives you 60 Had feet of tremor sense for 10 minutes as a bonus action. So in other words, Efficiency. as a dwarf, you can lay yeah. on the ground with the ear on the ground and hear things. <laughs> That's yeah, how I see this. I, <laughs> I oh yes, that I love as a player. Here's the thing: if I'm playing a dwarf now, it's for stone cutting. Mm -hmm. It's hey, uh, it's not even I'm something to build around. It's just really cool. Would you take that when you mix? Well, you, yeah, mix class. If you did the mixed race thing, you choose. You could choose like one from one from each. Uh, for using your house rule, yeah, I'd take yeah. stone cutting. I. I don't I, again I don't understand why you take all I of like one if you're just gonna do multi races anyways is stupid, but <laughs> Go ahead. I think it was just to add in something without really adding in something. Um Yeah. I like the the stone cutting ability as a player. I'm not a hundred percent decided on if I like it as a DM or not. Um, mainly because of invisibility shenanigans. <laughs> I True, but you—it's not sight. Yes, but you're able to tell where they are, assuming that they are on the floor. Which, assuming just, they are on the I same mean, surface, yes. But they're always going to be on the surface because, again, flying—you can't hover anymore. So at the well, end of these, some flying—they're not getting rid of hover. But some races can't hover anymore, like the Ardling. They can fly, but they have to grant land. You'll true, hear where they hit the ground. Monsters, you know? monsters can still fly. <laughs> Monsters can still fly, yes. Ghosts or ghosts don't touch the floor either, or stuff like that. But it's, I mean, I'm just saying, like the like the removal of hover and some of these things. Yes, yeah, you do. You do also have to be on a stone surface. So you, can, so you can't do this on the grass. If you are a ardling and you land on a deck made out of wood, you're still going to hear it. I mean, it's, you're still going to send vibrations, if not more so than you would on stone. Right, but this this ability only works if you're on stone. Specifically. 
specifically for dwarves. <laughs> because no. they don't that's have permission. That's 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 that I mean, it, yeah, the I wording really... on it is t a little uh, vague. I'm like, off. I mean, if you then, are you, you telling me if you land like kaboom on a deck on like a boat, you're telling me the dwarf's like I didn't hear anything. You're trying to tell me that oh. the termisense would not go off. Well, dwarf would. Dwarf still has the ability to hear. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. But if, they're not deaf. I know, but if you're a deck down, you'll know where it came from, like directly on Tremorsense. Well, but Tremorsense is not just, oh, I know it came from that direction. It's, I know it down to the inch. Right. Um... It's like it's the difference between it hearing healthy? someone sneaking up on you and doing that thing that Toph does in Avatar. Okay, but everything, all the squares are five feet. You know exactly which square it's going to be on. If you're saying it's down to the inch, you know exactly which square the person's on or the thing's on. Yeah, or vegetable, yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> I and you still have disadvantage to attack them, but you yeah. know you you're never going to target the wrong space. Go ahead, go ahead, Billy. I know you want to talk. Um. But as I was just saying, the stone, this being specifically on stone, it depends, once again, depends on the situation, depends on what kind of campaign you're running. It's going to be used all the time if you're doing, like, dungeon delving stuff. If you're yeah. out and about, yeah. not so much. Like, during our Storm King's Thunder, almost never, considering that we were out Side the vast majority of the time, except for the few times that we were like in a castle. Well, as a paved. paved road, a stone surface. I'd is it so. cobblestone? A cobblestone road is a stone surface. I would say yes. I would say stone surfaces will come up a lot, and this is a very powerful ability. I think. Which is why they also re-mentioned re it on the rule set that we started with, so. Yeah. I... I think that Stone... As a DM, I, I'd be fine with it. Because I know... Because I would know that my characters have it, but... And that's also not going to reveal sure. too many secrets, because not everyone pulls the invisibility shenanigans the way you do, Bailey. Touche. <laughs> All right, moving on, I guess. Uh, we're moving ahead to... That was Dwarf. I guess we're moving on to... I think it's no, no, Elves are next? Elves are next. Elves are next. Um, which, again, so for Elves, they get Dark Vision, because, again, everybody gets Dark Vision. Um, elven lineage um, does depend on drow, high elf, and wood elf. There is no like eladrin or seasonal elf anymore for for the moment. Of course, no, that could I mean, change. The eladrin um, and the shadarkai are in monsters of the multiverse. Yeah, but you do get um, elven lineage at first level for drow. You do get the range of your dark visioning doubles to one twenty. And you also get the dancing lights, fiery fire, and darkness as your spells. For which high is the spells they always got, yeah. The spells you always got. High elf gets prestidigitation. Um, 
on the long rest, and you can replace that cantrip with a different cantrip of the arcane list. I don't know why they said it that way. That means you can pick any cantrip you want on the arcane list instead of just saying you don't you get the presentation. Well, yeah. <laughs> you get each you want on arcane. You can you, change it every time you take a long rest. Right. So that which, means they right. can take acid splash, blade ward, chill touch, dancing lights, firebolt, friends, light. Mage Hand, Mending, Message, Minor Illusion, Poison Spray, Prestidigitation, Ray of Frost, Shocking Grass, True Strike, and Vicious Mockery. I mean, I'll be really impressed with this playtest if uh, it the... takes True Strike. <laughs> wow, there it is. Who knows? They might buff it. They, yeah, they, they might. Buff it, yeah. yeah. Um, they also get Detect Magic and Misty Step, Misty Step being very strong. Um, Wood Elf gets um, their speed increased by 5 feet, which is interesting. I think they had that before. Um, yep. You also yep. know the Druid Calf Cantrip, which they knew before, is lo along with Long Strider and Pass Without sh Pass Without Trace, which I don't think they had, but I like it. They could get it through one of the Xanathar feats. Okay, so they took a Xanathar, which is a more recent add-on and they made it to yeah and they made it a flat well six years yeah. after the original so uh they they did also they did also used to have an ability where they could uh hide in any natural phenomenon that caused them to be lightly obscured which pretty much would be right. passed without a trace <laughs> go ahead yeah well pass without trace you can use on your it can target up to six creatures and gives them a straight up Plus ten to the much better stuff. than much better oh, than just yourself. Is amazing. Yeah, and password trace actually comes password. up a lot for sneaking around stuff. It's one of the better second level spells. You it know, is, second uh, to my favorite. Metal. Yeah, it's also by the way not up to six creatures. It's every creature within thirty feet of your choice. Which is bigger than a? Oh. Which is actually bigger than a um, Leniman's tiny hut. Yeah, pass without trace is a very powerful spell as it currently is. Mm -hmm. Long strider is okay. Druidcraft is flavorful, I guess. Well, so as a prestidigitation and then you know whatever. Yeah, and dancing, dancing lights can be useful if you're. Yeah, if you know what you're doing. Detect magic, I like as a free spell. <laughs> I kind of like that as a free spell. I think it goes in with the high elves like knowledge about the weave of magic that's in D and D. So I yeah. kind of like it. That makes them that sensitivity to it. So I kind of like that. Overall, I mean, aside from pass without trace being kind of busted, I think these are all pretty well balanced against each other. Yeah. Um, I, th I think, personally, I prefer Fairy Fire over and Detect Magic over Long Strider. Yeah. But then again, I prefer Passable Trades over Kevin Darkness, so... And Darkness yeah. is very niche if you actually have the Warlock with the whole Devil Eyesight thing. So Yeah, dark Darkness is the worst second-level spell there, because Misty Step is great. But darkness can still be pretty good. You can dive in and bad. out of it. We've used yeah, dark, it to decent effect. Darkness is not bad. It's just 
I would rather have Misty Step. And again, of course, being elves, they still get their fey ancestry of having advantage on being charmed. Um, they also get the uh, proficiency in perception, which is one of the most used skills in the game. And uh, they also get the trance, where they don't have to take a uh, when they finish a long rest. They only need four hours to rest, as opposed to six hours that like everybody else do. So you can actually take two uh, shifts of Overwatch if you want. That didn't change. Right, yeah. Assuming you're doing two-hour shifts. Uh, yep. It didn't change, they just made the wording clearer. Right. Um, that's it for elves. I mean, elves didn't really change much, and other than they may buff wood elves a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, they buffed wood elves. Okay. Gnomes. Gnomes. Regular gnome. Regular gnome. Um, so, you still got... They actually buff their movement. They actually move 30 feet now as opposed to 25. Uh, same thing yes. with dwarves, I think. We actually skipped over that for dwarves. Dwarves actually move 30 feet now as well. Um, oh, so they... yeah. Fun fact with dwarves, um, they changed humans so that you can choose to be a small human. Oh, that's you can't right. Yep. But you can't choose to be a small dwarf. Dwarves are always medium. That is, that is hilarious. Yeah, that is, especially when they're the same height as gnomes and uh, half el uh, or half uh, halflings and stuff. So, they're a foot taller. Yeah, uh, gnomes get dark vision like everybody else is. Everybody again gets dark vision. Uh, they get the gnomish cutting, which again is the advantage on intelligence, wisdom, charisma, saving throws, which is actually a buff because it's not on magical effects. It's just flat out they get intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws now. Most of those are will be magical anyway, but yeah. Yes. And they also get the Gnomish Lineage, which this means is that they choose um, the Gnomish Languages table. They get Forest Gnome... Um, oh, I'm sorry. They get the Lineage. So this is the Lineage thing again, like Drow, Half-Elf, and what else? For this, they get Forest, um, Rock... Just Forest and Rock. Just Forest and Rock. I'm sorry. There's only two. Um, which, I guess, the Forest is more magic-filled... <laughs> And rock is more primal mountains? Uh, it's more like the forest gnome is your fey trickster. Your rock gnome is your artificer type cunning uh, inventor. Uh, forest gnomes do get minor illusion cantrip and they can also speak with animals. And uh, rock gnomes get mending and prestidigitation cantrips. In addition, continued on the next page. Oh, and in condition. I'm sorry. In addition, uh, oh this boy. one's long. Deep breath. Do you want me to? Do you want me to summarize? Yeah. Um. Go yeah. Ahead. Summarize that. That is long as flip. <laughs> so you can cast prestidigitation, store it into a mechanical device, and then someone can activate that device as a bonus action to get the effect of that prestidigitation. So it's like a ring of spell storing, only it works with precipitation. Yeah. So, like, you know, and it lasts for eight can, hours. And it lasts for eight hours. So you can create a fire starter that you can light candles with, or something <laughs> that changes the color of your door. <laughs> a single use one of those. I can think of one of those clicking like things you start with your your barbecues with. <laughs> it just yes. one time. It was, oh, I just fell apart. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's gnomes. Uh, 
so nothing really there. I mean, other than that, other than their advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws, even if it's not magical. And they can move faster. I guess the big thing that's not magical but is one of those saves is like mind flare, mind blasts. Mm. Or uh, intellect devourers, their ability. Yeah. Uh, right. Moving on to halflings now. Um, they are also small. They also get a movement speed buff of 30. Everybody can move at least 30 feet now. They still get the brave uh, feat, which is advantage on safety throws versus frightened. Again, Bailey mentioned that frightened is one of the worst conditions you can do because there are things out there immune. Halflings are one of them. Uh, they also get halfling nimble, nimble, nimbleness still. Uh, you can move through spaces of larger creatures than you, so you can walk between somebody's legs. Uh, they still get the luck feat, which if they roll a 1 on a d20 test, again, there's the whole te- 1d20 test we mentioned before. You can re-roll the die and use the roll. Nothing different there. And they're naturally stealthy. You have the stealth proficiency, which I think is a little different. Uh, they basically rolled one of the subclasses into the base class and called right. it the whole thing. Right. Sub race, not class. Right, and uh, there is no sub races for um, halflings. Yeah. So it is only the which sub race was that? Lightfoot, and I yeah, think Lightfoot. Lightfoot had another ability, maybe. But yeah, Lightfoot had one other ability, which was they could use larger creatures as cover to hide behind. Which is that whole natural. Well, actually, that is the natural stealthy, is that you can hide behind a creature. Now, they just get it as a skill. They just have yeah. that as a skill now. It's not just a feat now. Luck is also a little bit better when you consider that a natural one always fails. Yeah. Well, so this is the life we were mentioning before. This is what the current is. Most cases. Yeah, it's, it's not too much better. It's just a little bit better. Yeah, halflings are fine. Nothing to write home about. No, no they're just pretty much the same. The, mean, the same solid consistency as ever. And everybody pretty much took Lightfoot anyways when they took a halfling, so I guess that doesn't really change much. Not many people yeah. took the, uh, was stout. the stout one, and there was another one which was a... Uh, the, the marked one. The marked one, which was the hus- was the hospitality one. Oh god, the, the marked ones, and then there was the ghost wise, which had yeah. its weird telepathy. I did thing. do the ghost wise. I did try it out ghost wise, and I kind of liked it a little bit. Um, oh yeah, I had fun with my ghost wise druid. Uh, that would be the that was really the only alternative for halfling was just the ghost wise one, and that was just a niche thing from that uh, expansion. Moving on to orcs. Uh, orcs are medium. I'm surprised they're not coming out be kind of as large too, because they can be up to seven feet tall. So these are the same orcs that were published in a recent book. Right. Um, they get dark vision like everybody else. They get adrenaline rush, which you, you can take the dash action as a bonus action. So basically, a rogue feat, a uh, rogue feature. And when you do so, you also gain temporary hit points, which is better than the rogue feature, equal to your proficiency bonus. So it's not that much. It's like two, three, four. Not that much. And it's also limited uses. And it's limited to your proficiency bonus. Again, they want to tap into the proficiency bonuses as a well of temporarily used abilities that will increase as the character levels up, which is which is fine. I'm totally cool with that. 
I'm, like if Nicholas was an orc, he would use this ability. <laughs> you also get the powerful bill, which basically turns into into the ability to carry stuff more, which is fine. And relentless endurance is still in there when you reduce to zero hit points out, but not killed outright. You can drop it to one HP instead, and you can use this once per long rest. And you don't even have to make a saving throw. Yeah, unlike Ryan's like tattoo. I don't think I think it doesn't work because my fur grew back. I think that's what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, nothing really to talk about orcs. I mean, they're pretty much the same. Other uh, than yeah, that adrenaline I, rush, adrenaline is just pretty freaking cool. I, I like. I would I, like it on my monk. On my monk barbarian. I'd play an orc. Now here's here's interesting know, I, though. Oh wait, I just poof, my brain just exploded. So that counts as a dash action on a monk. Can't you like you when you do um, a step of the wind, where you can go airborne? You could do that as a bonus action on with this, and get temporary hit points because it counts as a dash. Uh, it's called a dash monk, action. The monk's step of the wind is already a bonus action. Right, but I mean, you, you, but you would get temporary hit points for using it when you use it this way. Is what I'm saying. And you wouldn't have to spend a key points. And you don't have to spend a key point. So you get more step of the winds. It, I mean, well, yeah. maybe not. I mean, step of the winds you would have to use the key point for. So I guess it's more. So basically, you could just dash in your bonus action. X your key points plus proficiency bonus. I mean, we'll see what they do with monks in this, but I mean, and you can grapple. <laughs> grappling is the only thing that makes me think monk in this play test. Oh, monks got a huge buff here. Oh yeah, well we'll see what they do in the later. Tieflings, though. Tieflings. Um, so they really made it. So that the orderling was the opposite of tiefling. Uh, there's some people that have argued this, and they wanted to make it so that the tiefling was the negative plane versus the ASMR is the positive plane. And in the one D and D, they kind of made it similar. I mean, that's uh, what's the, what was that argument first? What do you guys think about that? Let's we'll start with Bailey here. Bailey hasn't talked in a while. I, I, can you rephrase the question because I did not understand what okay so there's a lot saying. of people arguing that they're making tieflings now other than nerfing the seven different versions of them now there's only three versions of them to make it the yin and yang to ardlings and then and that's closer by this respect versus the ASMRs were in the regular 5e and there's people arguing how now tieflings and ardlings are the opposites of each other. I think they're only the opposites of each other because ASMR isn't it this. I mean, it's the the only reason why ASMR in this. If the ASMR is added in, it won't be considered the counterpart just because it wasn't in this book. Um, as Personally, I think the Ardling is more along the lines of the beast lands rather than the celestial type of creature. That, that's the feel that it gives to me, which is more of a neutral kind of feel. If I remember correctly, the beast lands are a neutral something. Uh, jump on the uh, shell. Plane wise. That 
is is an interesting way to go with it, but that is not the uh, flavor that is given to the Ardlings here. Right. I, I know it's I know it's not the flavor given to the Ardlings, but that that's my personal uh, take on it. It, it, it. The the my my feel for it is more soapy slants rather than the all good Azamar S. And I mean, if they're counterparts, I don't really, I don't mind. It's a, it's another race. It's it's a race. It's a race. It's a new race in D and D, which I like. It's a new flavored the Ardlings. I think the race exists right now because technically Ardlings are another type of celestial. They're not called Ardlings. They're called something else, and I forget whether it's top of my head. Gardens. Um, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they're reflavoring them to be Ardlings, so they're more player character and not NPC. I don't know. Um, but one thing to note, and I don't know if this is going to show up good. Okay, it does show up a little bit. Um, the Beastlands is the opposite plane of Gehenna in the uh, Cosmic Wheel. So the Beastlands are very much good aligned. Well, they're good... More chaotic lined versus Gehenna, which is actually more lawfully lined. Yeah. Um, and I forget Gehenna. In the Gehenna is right between Hades and um, and the Nine Hells, actually. So where Tieflings are, so that does that does track. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, Friday Night Dice, we dig into the... We dig deep. <laughs> we dig deep on these things. But anyways, moving on. Uh, so Tieflings are broken into the three legacies, just like Ardlings are. They're broken into Abyssal. I'm going to butcher this next one. Chthonic. And uh, Infernal. Now, when you say Chthonic, it's not Cthulhu. <laughs> no, it's... There's a big difference. Cthulhu is uh, Astral. <laughs> right. Um, Chthonic refers to... Ah! The ancient Greek idea of darkness, the chthonic depths of Tartarus, and here we go. Oh, right here, even even says this in the description of chthonic. It's um, you feel the tug to Caesarea, Caesarea, and Gehenna. So there you go. And the gloom of Hades. And the gloom of Hades. So again, going to that. Cosmic wheel there. There you go. We were saying like the Ardlings are more pulled to the Beastlands and Elysium and like that. Well, this is the Canna Hades Nine Hells. It's right directly opposites on the wheel. I guess camera's backwards going this way. <laughs> so, so there you go. Fact is in the writing. <laughs> but anyways, as you do get um, certain uh, abilities with this, uh, Bissels get the Resistance to poison, and they can poison spray. Um, they get ray of sickness and hold person. Cathonic uh, get uh, resistance to necrotic damage along with chill touch, which is cause necrotic damage. Uh, false life and reinfieldment. Infernals get the resistance to fire damage and fire bolt, which is fire damage, along with hellish rebuke, which again is fire damage, and again darkness. So. Yeah. 
I don't know what to think about this list. Um, I mean, you have Poison, Poison, Necrotic, Necrotic, Fire, Fire. And then you have Hold Portion, Raven, Feelment, and Darkness. I mean, they're pretty much linear. I mean, there's no real better set over another one, I really think. I, I mean, Firebolt's the best cantrip, maybe, of the three. Firebolt is the best cantrip, and Poison Spray is the worst cantrip by a lot. Yeah, but Hold Person's way better than Darkness. Hold Person's better than Darkness. Ray of Sickness, though, is also a bad spell. Well, not a bad spell, but just not a good spell. What's Ray of Sickness? What is that one again? It's 2d8 poison on an attack roll. Which you can't crit now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, there's that whole attack thing again. Um, they get, by the way, all tieflings get dark vision because, again, everybody gets dark vision. Um, the Fiendish Legacy basically tells what your alignments would be, but, again, that's player flavoring and like that. You do get overworldly presence, which means you know, which means all of them know the Thaumaturgy Cantrip, and you can cast this trait uh, using the same spell casting ability, whatever from your Fiendish Legacy is. Uh, Yafinda's legacy is I'm trying to figure out where it says which. Uh, you get to choose intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. Oh, so it's just based on whatever you chose before. Yeah. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Bailey, what do you think about all this? Um. I think they're fine. The poison spray or the abyssal tiefling, I'm not a big fan of because I mean, I, I think if I remember correctly, they D12. But it is. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, but it has a 10 foot range as opposed to. Like any other spell, which at least has a like thirty or sixty you have to be right in front of their faces. Um, the ray of sickness is the worst of both worlds because I mean it's a, it's an attack roll, so you have to hit, and then you get the damage, and then and to get the secondary effect, the poison condition, they also have to fail a save on top of that, a Constitution save. So it's a save so and an attack and roll. They so have it's two. Yeah. There's two caveats to get the secondary effect, whereas most of the spells, it's just one of the two. Um, the whole person is amazing. Granted, of course, if you are humanoid, which it seems like a lot of uh, a decent amount of uh, races in the future might not be humanoid anymore. Like, you got the you had the Thrykreen, you had the Seder, you had the Wanty, or not Wanty, Wanty's humanoid. But the Fae and the monstrosities. I think there was an Ooze one at some point as well. Yeah, the recent <laughs> one that just came out. But a lot of... It's a whole person... Spelljammer. At least some monster and is a little bit less useful considering that there are some player races that are coming out which are non-humanoid. Um, for those of you who don't know, the whole person only works on humanoid creatures. Yeah, so it doesn't work on elves. Um, it works on elves, elves it doesn't work on 
satyrs. Oh, it doesn't satyrs work. on fairies. I'm oh, sorry, satyrs, fairies. It doesn't work on uh, plasmoids, thrycrine, uh, the auto gnome. A lot of the ones from Spelljammer, actually. <laughs> Basically, all of Spelljammer. The Aragona. <laughs> I forgot to also mention the tieflings can also be small, by the way. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. And even though they're small, it can also move 30 feet if they're small still. Because all races move 30 feet at, at minimum. Here's something that feel the thing the only good the two good things about Abyssal are poison damage is a very common damage type to be hit by as a player. So it's good to have resistance to it. And hold person is a good spell. But poison spray is a terrible cantrip, and ray of sickness is not a good first level spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, necrotic damage on the Chthonic is the worst damage resistance of the three. I think we can agree. You don't get hit yes, with necrotic that often. Unless you're specifically going up against undead creatures. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not like it's radiant or psychic, but it's still not as good as having fire resistance. False. Right. Fire resistance is the best of all of them. False Life is not a good first level spell, but if you don't have to spend a spell slot on it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Ray of Enfeeblement, I will go to bat for, because it is actually a pretty good spell. If I remember right. Up right now, you it's an attack roll, it does no damage. Instead, if the target gets hit, any attack they make with strength deals half damage for up to a minute uh, until they can uh, make a con save at the end of their turns. Okay, that's interesting. Because the ray, ray of sickness, in order to get the secondary effect, you have to hit, make a hit, and they have to fail a save. With the ray of enfeeblement, you only have to make the hit. Granted, on subsequent turns, they can make a save. But you only have to get the hit to get the starting effect. And or, or the secondary effect. say you hit a hill giant with this, because hill giants don't have great AC, and they're all about strength attacks. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's not going to last long because they're going to make a con save pretty quick. But it'll take that 35 damage crit that downs your paladin down to a 17 damage crit. Now, on that same page, I don't think it's a great... It's a fine spell if you're not a caster. If you are a caster, it loses its viability really quickly in my opinion because it is a concentration spell specifically this is true it's if you're banking on it being a one round effect uh tosh's mind whip in my opinion is straight up better uh because we talked tosh's mind whip for those of you who don't know it's it allow it if, you, if they fail intelligence safe which intelligence isn't typically a high step for enemy creatures um 
they lose their reaction straight up, and on their next turn, they can either only move, use their action, or their bonus action. With random Thievalent, they can do all three. Granted, if they're using their extract-based attack, then they get to have damage. The Toshi's Mind Whip is just better. Granted, it's only a one-round effect. As opposed to random yeah. fielding, which can be a longer, but it can be more concentration. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there for a minute, because um, we have been talking about for 90 minutes. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to get back into this. we still got to talk about uh, the backstory, uh, your backstories and everything. We also have to talk about feats in general. So we're going to get to those a little bit. We're going to take a very short break, and we're going to dive into those right here, right now. All right, guys? So we'll be right back in two seconds. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor by Spotify. If you have a podcast you want to upload to all your uh, friends and fans on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, check out anchor you can upload all your clips you can put in your commercials your ad sales your music everything right there in one-stop shopping anchor by spotify it powers our podcast it will power yours as well and we're back so we're actually going diving into the backgrounds and stuff like that about building your backstory for your characters and how now with 1D&D, your backstory means more because right off the back, again, your ability scores goes from the race to your backstory. What do you guys think about that for, for the number one thing? Because that's the biggest takeaway I took from this. No, you both yeah. talk at once now. Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's fine. Um, taking it from one thing and putting it into another is fine. I like that. It's I like that your ability scores, unlike the very beginning of 5D before Tosses came out, aren't tied to your race. It gives you more options. Um, and they, they do the same thing here, granted. Well, it, it goes along with your background, or you have the build your background ability where you can choose whatever opponents you want to get um, a plus two in and a plus one, or you can get three plus ones. Um, so I, I think it's great in that aspect. Um, well, I, I guess we'll say that, but in, in a second. What's your opinion on it, Sean? Big old butt. Honestly, the ability scores being on backgrounds is... I like it. I mean, it's nothing special, really. It's not too different from what we've had before. It's the one step from... It's the you know, logical conclusion after going from PHB to Tasha's to now this. It's fine. It's not going to break any games. I like it in the fact that it gives your ability scores to the path that you're taking as a background. However, capital letters, however, for... And this is direct response to our own campaigns, and the next one's coming up for uh, for you, uh, Sean. This would not work with um, with Ridge um, because Ridge is dexterity charisma base, 
and for his background and I don't know which page it would be on uh, is he, a, uh, is he I don't know if he's a charlatan or not I can't remember oh I think he is well yeah the the specific backgrounds aren't important here no it wasn't a charlatan because he was like a noble background yeah no I think it was a noble background so he's a noble background which gives him the charisma but I'm also dexterity based not intelligence based so that plus one intelligence I would actually want that as an in dexterity Wow. Or constitution uh, instead. And I wouldn't use draconic as my extra language. It I would think be something you're else. jumping the gun a little bit here, Saber. And I think you're jumping to conclusions, too. I'm just going off the sampling list that they're giving us. Because, again, these right. are sample if backgrounds. Taking, but if you're taking one of those backgrounds, I don't think that they're going to be used very often. Specifically, because the ability scores are set and the feats that you do get with the backgrounds is set as well. I think if you make your own, it's going to be much more used, unless if you're a brand new player, in which case it's easier to just grab one of the given backgrounds. So you're, saying, so, so you're saying the sample backgrounds aren't finite in stone. You can just build your own by picking the ability scores, picking mm -hmm. the skills, picking the tools, picking the language? Yeah. 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 In fact, they suggest that you do that before they even give you any samples. It's right. The samples are just so that you can see an example and make sure you're doing it right. Also, the 50 gold to start with on your... to get your equipment with, uh, that's actually way more gold than you started with before. <laughs> that's actually uh, from the Noble, I believe. Oh. The Noble got 50, but everybody else got less. I think they just gave everybody Noble gold. So... Pretty much, yeah. If you add up all the stuff that they got, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Skill proficiencies, nothing new. You choose two skills. Mm -hmm. Tool proficiency, you gain a tool proficiency. Yeah, which you, not all backgrounds had, or really. Not all backgrounds had a tool proficiency, and some of them were even like, oh, you, you knew you know how to play cards. <laughs> that makes it a lot more useful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For <laughs> <laughs> so that one random chess. time, we were in that uh, casino ship. <laughs> yeah. From I think that was in Storm King's Thunder, the first the first uh, campaign, mm -hmm. which never got aired. Sorry, guys, because we were trying to get used to each other still. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that, for that one situation, you were good at cards. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's certainly. The flexibility is nice to have any tool, but it's, you know, fine. Language. It's a language. There's a point about languages I do want to make, but I'll save it. Well, go ahead. I mean, we're kind of being broad with this anyways. Because backgrounds is build your own and just pick what you want. But what about languages? Uh, the only thing I wanted to point out about languages is that uh, you can, through your background choose rare languages like, and this is one of the ones they include, Thieves Can't. Oh. Yeah, that one's funny. Well, if you were a bounty hunter which is skilled in going after thieves, you would probably be proficient in Thieves Can't to understand and break down their coded messages on the people you're trying to capture. Or, you know, if you're a thief, but your class is a fighter. 
Right, because you're, you're, you're more of because you're more the bouncer in front of your thieves guild, and so you would know thieves camp because you work for the thief den, but you're not a thief; you're a fighter because you're more of the bouncer protector kind. Yeah, it's I like it. It makes that a little nicer. Uh, also, shout out to sign language, which is one of the options. Yes, that was cool. So, I mean, I mean. Don't know who's playing with their mic, but uh, somebody's playing with their mic. I think it's John. Yeah, that might be me. Sorry. It's (laughs) kind of, it just happens. I mean, hey, sign language has its uses. Like, beyond just talking to deaf people. It's also useful for sneaking around. Um... To so, be honest, I'm not a big fan of Thieves Cant being its own language, because in different areas and for different groups, it's going to be different. You're not going to be like in one Mafia group and and be able to talk to any other Mafia or similar group very easily. They're going to have their own different codes to, you know, not be noticed by the other groups. And in different sides of the country, or different sides of the kingdom, it's going to be different. But that, that's my two cents on the these camps as a whole. Um, well, in that respect, I guess you could say they use different jargon to mean the same thing. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it's... It, there's still... It's difficult to have a good way to handle that. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, it's definitely a difficult way to handle that. I would rule it, if I was a DM, I would rule it that if you wanted to decode a message, if you knew the background of the camp, which is like more of like decoding messages or understanding dialogue of language like that, I would say you could you would have a um, an advantage on rolling to decipher what this means. Like you wouldn't literally know what it would mean. I would say you'd have advantage to break down what this means. Would that be a fair assessment? I because you wouldn't I, know way, exactly because you're saying like each each thieves den would have their own variation of language or coding message like that. Well, by having a background that you would have advantage of understanding what possibly what this message would be, and then you would set some, the DC to reflect that. As a DM who has a very prominent thieves guild that talks in coded messages, the way I'd handle it is really you don't yeah, say. You, <laughs> You don't know their code, but because you know codes, you have proficiency in trying to break it down, even if you don't have proficiency in the relevant skills. You're, talk, you're talking about you're talking about uh, Ridge, right? <laughs> Ridge is good, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's what I'm like, you don't say. <laughs> uh, That's going to be an interesting campaign. <laughs> the next one, too. Uh, that's all I had to say. <laughs> Um, so, I guess simple backgrounds, I mean, we really have to go over them because, I mean, you can just build your own and just flavor it the way you want to. So, I guess... Uh, feats. Yeah, so I guess we're dropping down to feats, which is all the way down to page uh, 16, I believe. Now, these are level 1 feats. Now, feats are going to be scaled now, so no, you aren't going to be able to have every single feat available to you in the game. There's going to be tier levels similar to what Warlocks have... And um, artificers have for their um, creating of spell items and stuff. Um, they're going to be tiered. 
So we don't know what further tiers are. We don't know what level those tiers are. I'm going to assume it's fourth level. I'm assuming fourth. I'm assuming it's going to be fourth, eighth. Uh, what is it? Fourth, eighth, eleventh, and twelve. Sorry, fourth, eighth, twelve, and sixteen. And then nineteen. Don't forget nineteen. Yeah, nineteen too. Well, not many, not many groups go up that. <laughs> more more so four, eight, and twelve. More is what you're looking at. Um, with with fighter, I think getting an extra one in there somewhere. Uh, rogues get one extra. Fighters get two. Yeah. So I doubt that they're gonna have special tiers all to themselves, like a six level tier, where we'll be right. probably just picking another fourth level, assuming that they are giving them more feats, of course. Right. They're probably gonna keep it the way that they're. Well, again, we are guessing here, but uh, because those uh, rogues and fighters are like skill monkeys, for lack of a better term, uh, they would get a, another choice of defining how they want their build to go about by that way and choose something at a lower level. Because, I mean, like, because Warlock, I mean, you gain another one at a certain level, but you don't gain more access to other ones, you know? You still get pick ones from the level you're at, so... I believe so. Or, no, Artificers... No, th no, sorry. Warlocks do. Artificers don't. Artificers gain an extra one, but you still have to meet a certain level quota in order to get the other ones. Sorry. But yeah, but yeah. Uh, but first off, the back uh, the, and their the feats are quite different now. <laughs> At least it wasn't listed here. Well, most of them. Most of them. I'm sure these are not all of them. They can't be all of them because there's not that many here to choose from. If I deal the first level feats that they're planning on having, at least. It, I think it might be all of the first level feats from the really player's handbook. Touche. Yeah, because there's only eight of them. <laughs> if that's the case, everybody's taking Lucky at that point. <laughs> I don't know. Unless you want to take Magic Initiate for something. Yeah, I mean, we can totally start taking... at the top. Yeah, alert, we'll start at the man. top off for good order. So, alert. Uh, you still get... Now, this one I know you guys were talking about a lot. Um, so, just reading it off. Uh, you When you roll Initiative, you can add your proficiency bonus to the roll. Which is understandable. Um, also, immediately after you roll your initiative, you can swap that initiative with an initiative of another willing ally in the same combat. You cannot make the swap if you or the ally is incapacitated, which means you're still sleeping or something like that. If you're, um, if an enemy is raiding your camp and you're asleep and you roll for initiative, the other person can't roll initiative because you're still in, you can roll for initiative, but you're incapacitated, so you can't do the swap then, for, for example. Uh, but you can't yeah. be surprised. Now, I think that's because the, the surprise rule was really vague. You guys, you two dive into it. I know you guys want to talk about this one. <laughs> or not, apparently. Uh, Bailey, do you have any thoughts? Because uh. it's, it's not as good. In my opinion, I don't think it's as good as the um, current one. Because the current one, if I remember correctly, you add five to your initiative. Correct. And yeah. you could never be caught off guard. You could never be surprised, which is pretty big. There was another bit in alert, which if I remember right, is creatures that you can't see don't gain advantage to hit you. Yeah, other creatures don't gain advantage on attack rolls against you uh, as a result of being 
uh, hidden from you? Or something right. to that effect? Yeah, I, I believe so, yes. Uh, they, they can't get advantage unless uh, they're unseen to you. Yeah. So that is different. The initiative swap can be very powerful in the right circumstance. Anything can be really powerful in the right circumstance, to be honest here. <laughs> true. Um, but, I mean, Nick, so many times Nicholas would have loved to roll high on initiative and give it to someone else, because... And Nicholas in that campaign, in the Storm King Slender campaign, did not want to go first. He wanted to wait for his enemies to get to him. Yeah, because the there were really long, large maps. Because there were know, really large maps and barbarian with <laughs> only melee attacks can't yeah. really do much if they're a f 200 feet away. So, so you know, if he could have given some of those good initiative rolls to Zaz too? That would have been nice. Uh, Zaz too uh, was a buffing character, so having that higher initiative would have been nice. Uh, um, Therese also had a high initiative too, because I could um, incorporate my intelligence into my initiative as well. Plus he had a high dex, which is why he went first a lot. But I didn't really want him to go first pretty much, other than because the only reason, the only advantage he got from going first is position on where he wants to be in the battlefield. It was really the only thing yeah. he got out of it. So I think it's, I think a lord is fine. Um, yeah. Definitely uh, not the best. I've seen some people saying that Alert is actually the best feat here and is super powerful, better than it was before. And I don't know that I agree. It's good, it's not that good. It gives you more opportunities for your strongest person to... The person you want in the position you want to be in sooner. Like, so if you want that barbarian blocking the uh, hallway coming at the rest of your party, or you want that wizard to cast haste on multiple players on their team, or bless on yeah. multiple... Or a cleric casting bless on multiple players on the team right off the bat, this gives you that ability to try to get that person out there first to do it. Plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. And it's I think... If the, you, the amount of bonus you get is nerfed, however. Yes. But yeah. It does also combine well with Rogue, but, you know, so did Harrigan, so... Don't mention the Ranger. Please do not mention that Ranger for this, for this feat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. I'm looking at Let's... you and I'm looking at Paul in particular <laughs> God. Uh, yeah so with the uh, that one shot. <laughs> with the terror of a gloom stalker in mind let's uh, move uh, on to crafter let's go on to crafter <laughs> shall we you're adept at crapping things and bargaining with birches granting you the following benefits you gained a tool proficiency with three different artisan tools of your choice and uh, you also get a discount on by buying non-magical items you receive by a 20% discount. So creation of items across all items. So this actually saves money, which is a good thing. Also, uh, faster crafting, you also uh, reduce the amount of time you would take to craft things by 20%. This rule is not really used much. I actually didn't know about this rule until 
the one D&D thing came out. But there's actually rules on how long things take to craft when you want to make things. Not just magical items, but things in general. You guys want to talk about... You guys knew about that, or... I, I didn't know that. Vaguely, but I never used those rules. So I don't know anything about them. It's not so much, like... I mean, yes, it is a thing. And you do have to use downtime. But... For the yeah, things that you guys are most likely going to use, you also need the area to make the item. Like, you can't just make a set of plate nail on the goddamn road. That's not how that works. <laughs> um, it's you, you would need downtime for a lot of things, which you need where you needed an area to actually work. Uh, this um, this is the um, list for magical items. But common would take one week, an uncommon two weeks, a rare item ten weeks, a very rare twenty five weeks, and a legendary fifty weeks. Right. So you're making, let's say you're making greater health potions, which are uncommon, so two work weeks. So twenty would, but yeah, but it would be twenty percent less than that. So fourteen days. That brings times eight percent. So, so yeah. math. Keep talking. I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, that like eleven days. Just a, titch, a titch days. over eleven days. So take three about three days off. Woo. Yeah. Woo. That's a whole feat. Hey, when we want to craft a legendary though, that would take ten weeks off straight up. No. So that's over. That's two and a half months. That's you still have to spend forty weeks. <laughs> it also no. would cost. I'm sorry. It also would cost eighty thousand golds as opposed to a hundred thousand gold too. It's usually the, when you have eighty percent of the time, you have a hundred percent of the time. Right. <laughs> now that second, the the third part of that. Uh, the faster crafting, I don't think it's going to be used that much unless we have long slots of downtime. The discount part could actually see a lot of use, specifically with uh, spell components. Those high-cost spell components at higher levels. I, I didn't even think of spell components. Yeah, because those are technically non-magical. Like a diamond is not magical. If you're buying one thousand dollar spell components, it's now only eight hundred. A huge chunk of money you're saving. Saving two hundred gold on a hero's feast. Granted, that's much much higher level than first, but that's something to consider. I mean, even. Saving 20 gold on an identify or two gold on every familiar. <laughs> for as often as we go for your familiars, you might get you guys might have a hundred extra gold pieces sitting around. <laughs> uh, well, Harley wouldn't be broke. Um, oops. I. Yeah, okay. In light of that, the feat is not as bad as I thought it was. It's. I don't think it's as good to early levels, but definitely towards the later levels when you're using those higher spell cost components. Um, that would be quite useful. 
So downtime activity crafting under the player's handbook, page 187, 187. Um, for every day of downtime you spend crafting, you can craft one or more items with a total market value not exceeding five gold. And you must expend raw materials worth half that total market value. If something you want to craft has a market value greater than uh, five gold pieces, you must make progress every day in 5 GP increments until you reach the market value of the item. For example, a suit of plate armor, market value 1,500 gold, takes 300 days to craft by yourself. 300? So, on that precedent, so if you are an adventurer, you want to craft your own plate mail armor, it will cost you 750 gold. Instead of, oh, I'm sorry, that's that's wrong. 1500 times, uh, 1, sorry, 1200 gold. And instead of 300 days, it would actually take you 240 days. So you save 300 gold in 60 days, right? Yeah, you can also think about like. I don't know, if you're an archer buying arrows. Yeah, the fletching, the, you know, stock, the, um, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. One gold normally gets you 20, so it would get you, what, uh, 24? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, again, this is a whole different animal of D&D about crafting in downtime like that. Which you don't normally do unless you're going ridiculous campaign RP stuff, I would say. Or you this... have large swaths of downtime in between campaigns. Yeah, exactly. So that's the only place where this come up. So yeah. And even then, I would argue that if you're having that much downtime, crafting, doing this much crafting and all, you're probably doing a side gig which would cover the cost of what you're doing anyways. So I would just wash that anyways. Yeah, the 20% discount on buying just things in general. Well, players often like to throw charisma checks to get that anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to tell what the real value of this feat is. The real value of this feat is buying spell components for less than they're worth. Right. Let's jump a healer. Now, healer is still has the uh, healer's kid. You can have somebody roll their hit die like that um, when the creature gains hit points by using the healer kit. But also adding healer rerolls when you roll a roll a die to determine how many hit points a person would restore on a even on a spell now. Um, you can re-roll the die if it rolls a 1, and you must use the new roll. That's a pretty good ability for clerics, right? Yeah, I mean... It's... The level is weird, because higher level healing spells don't usually roll. They're like, heal. You 70! 70. But lower level ones also... You're rolling usually one die and one, and usually if it's healing word specifically, you don't care how much it's healing, just that it is. Right. Hey, Bailey, if you add in 
potions to this. Would that make this too strong? Not really. No. So if you roll, um, if you roll a two d four and you roll two ones, you just re-roll them. Would yeah. that make this too strong? I think so. Uh, just because it's not. It won't, It's very little healing. It's. I mean, let's say you roll, you roll two ones and then you get to re-roll them and then you roll maximum for argument's sake. Two d four plus two maximum is ten hit points. That's a whole chunk of hit points if you're first or second level. After oh, that, yeah. it's not that much. I mean, it's a, and the minimum you would roll with the two ones was four. It's like six hit points. Woo. It's the the math on this, by the way. Uh, Rerolling ones is better as your die size goes up. So, like. On a D4, you're getting half a point of healing for every die you roll. On a D6, it's like 0.75. On a D8, it's like a full point of healing. So a Cure Wounds, this is basically plus one to your Cure Wounds. On average. Uh, on average. If you're going like with a Mass Cure Wounds, though, it's like plus five. I don't... What's, I think it's really good on like aura of vitality where you're rolling 20 D six. Yeah. If you're rolling a yeah. crap dice, then it's better, but then you have to be getting those spells, which there are very few of it's aura of vitality. Yeah. Aura of vitality. Which Rayon has, spirit. by the way. Healing spirit was nerfed. If you're using it was. the nerf yeah, version was, of it. Yeah. Um, if you're using the nerf version of it, um, it's not not great because they can only heal a number of times equal to like your proficiency bonus or something. Wisdom or spellcasting mod, I think. Yeah. Okay, so potentially better, like three to five. Yeah, not it's not great. And getting an extra three to five hit points, beats. So the actual it, battle medic feature, by the way, is worse than it used to be. Is it really? Because before, you would add the character's level to their healing. If, if that were the case, I would like that. It, this would be much better. Yeah, the original healer feat was a d6 plus 4 plus your level in healing. That is so much better. But you but could it, only it, use it uh, once per short rest on each person. I much prefer that because I mean, well, if you're using it, ideally you don't have to use it more than once on each player. And right. really, using an action to heal anybody is not great unless if they're confirmed to be going right after you. Using a bonus action to healing to heal somebody is typically fine in most cases, but using your action to heal somebody, they have to be going before the enemy to get any value out of it. In a lot of cases, they're. There was also another thing with the old healer feet. When you stabilized a dying creature, they gained a hit point. Oh, okay. And that had no limit to how many times you could use it. But it still costs your action. Still cost your action, but there were ways around that. Like being a thief rogue and using your bonus action. Mm. 
So wait, which is better? Your hit die plus your proficiency bonus or a 1d6 plus 4? Plus your character level. Well, it's plus the creature's number of hit dice. Total plus number additional of maximum hit points hit dice. equal to the creature's maximum number of hit dice. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, Which wow. for player characters is level. And for yeah. monsters is whatever, like 2 to That's, 20. So they... Wow, 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 wow. That's, this, is, this is way worse then. It's... <laughs> yeah, you can... Clerics the new one, the one D&D version is way worse, let me clarify. Yeah, clerics can use it in one D&D now and not feel bad, but also it's just not as good. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to Magic Initiate, um, another popular one from 5 Get over lucky there, buddy. Oh, I don't want to talk about lucky. I never like talking about lucky. <laughs> I ban lucky on my tables, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Fine, we'll talk about it. Lucky. We'll talk about Lucky. So the expanded luck points do even do more than what it did before. So instead of, oh god, I failed this save. Oh wait, I'll roll it again. No, now if now you can put it against other creatures to roll a disadvantage against you. Uh, that was always a thing. That was always a point. That was always a thing? I never saw it being a thing for making somebody else roll disadvantage. I always thought it was just you. I haven't seen it make in, incur other people to roll disadvantage. I never saw that. No one used it because you want to use it on your own rolls. It's better to use it on a saving throw than to, in most cases, than to use it on an opponent's attack roll. How many luck points did you get before? Three. Three. So now you start with two and go up to six. Which is better. It's better. Um, but... It also no longer stacks with advantage. Right. So and is it stronger? So stronger in the long run, but weaker in the early game. Yes. It's, it, weaker in the fact that it doesn't stack with advantage. And you can no longer turn disadvantage into triple advantage. Right. Although it is interesting to point out that um, it does say after you roll the check, you can use a luck point to get advantage. If you roll a check and you have disadvantage, do you just get rid of the lower roll? I... So basically, oven accuracy is what you're saying? I think every I think every table will have to decide differently. Right. Uh, I, I, I think if you're rolling physical dice, what I would say is scrap the roll entirely, roll one die. Basically, silvery barbs yourself. <laughs> that is silvery the rage barbs. right now. <laughs> uh, if you're rolling, if you're rolling in roll twenty, though, just choose one side and take it. If you're rolling advantage, always, or if you're rolling disadvantage, just the one on the right is gone. Well, then you know the result still before you roll, and if the result, if the left result is the lower one, you're not going to use it. That's, this is true. Uh, I think the fair way to do it, especially considering this is supposed to not be a very strong feat, it's supposed to be first level, is entirely scrap the roll, roll another die. I'd agree with that. Or have them use it before the roll, which, which isn't... I mean, it says, it says give yourself advantage. If you already have advantage, you can't gain advantage again. Right, right. We're saying if you had disadvantage, 
and then you give yourself advantage retroactively to cancel it out to a flat roll. Yeah. Scrap it and roll one die. Yeah, just roll one die. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. With that. So it's would, not as good as the as the but original don't forget, but, but guys, don't forget. On top of the lucky feat, you also have all the extra insp inspirations you're doing too, which you can't stack with it. Which you can't stack with it, but you're still getting more advantage rolls. This is true. I mean, inspiration you do use before the roll, though. I understand yeah. that, but I'm just saying you're having inspiration. You're giving advantage. Now you also have a lucky V that's also giving you more advantages to use more often too. I, I mean, if and if you if have a night where you only roll five times in one night, you could roll every single roll at advantage, even if you were skilled in it or not. If Lucky Feet has to exist, this is the version I want. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. Now, whether it has to exist is uh, <laughs> another question. Still banning it from our fucking tables. Anyways, um, <laughs> Magic Initiate, another rage of everybody. Um, you get two learned. Can't. I'm gonna. We're gonna. Yeah. You get arcane, divine, and primal. Whatever. Um, you only choose one of those lists. You can't mix and match between lists. You have to choose one of those lists straight up. Uh, you get two cantrips from that list, and you also get one first level spell from that list as well, which you can cast one time per long rest. And of course, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma is your spell testing ability, and you choose this when you take this feat. Uh, when you gain, whenever you gain a level, new level, you can replace one of the spells and choose this for you chose for this feat with a different spell of the same level that the chosen spell. So no, a spell list. So in other words, if you have Burning Hands, you take Fireball. You don't want another Fire spell. You can choose Burning Hands to be something else. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the good way to do this is Sleep is really good at first level and terrible at fifth. So switch it out for. Uh, find familiar. <laughs> I'm bringing the spell list up so we can look at the spell list when we chit chat about it. <laughs> it. I mean, granted, it's probably just because we only have the three spell lists. It's interesting that it's no longer a class spell list. Um, yeah. Whether or not they keep it as these spell lists or if they'll go back to the class spell list, we don't know. I, right. I would assume that yeah. they'd go back to the class spell list or something similar. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, I guess, that you can take traditional, like, Armor of Agathis, traditionally Warlock spell with Vicious Mockery, that's, you know, really only bards. Right. Mm. But nothing nothing you can really power game out of it, just, just things you can flavor in. What I do like about it is, if I remember correctly, the original incarnation of Magic Initiate, you never got to change out the spells. This is correct. Uh, so, also, I believe with the new feat, you can cast the spell that you know from your own spell slots, if you have any, which you couldn't do before. Really? You only got the first casting and that was it? That, yeah. That? With Magic Initiate, you only got the one casting, and that was it. If you wanted to cast it with your own spell slots, you had to learn it again from your class. Hmm. Which, you know, I think what a lot of people are going to do is take Shield, and of now course. the Cleric can cast Shield. 
Yeah, shield, bishop, or not bishop's mockery. Some, something, mage armor, one of those good ones. Uh, probably yeah. would choose mage hand, shield, and... Um, yeah, what other capture? Bevan, prestidigitation. Firebolt. Firebolt, ray of frost. Yeah. Vicious mockery. I'd be a cleric and have him vicious mockery. Well, and then flip side, if you're a wizard and you already have shield, take healing word. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, your wizard's in the back line and he can just healing word somebody back up back up to X amount of hit points who was at zero. That's not bad. And you and it doesn't cost you a spell slot. The first time. The but first you time. can use spell slots if you For the need first it. time in forever. Um <laughs> moving on back hey, up to where are we are. You no, know, um, at least Silvery Barbs isn't on those lists yet. Oh uh, yeah, Silvery Barbs is on the list. But that's that's not um original, so Yeah. Uh musician. Uh you gain two proficiency in the musical instruments of your choice, and you also gain an inspiring song. As you finish a short rest or a long rest, you can play a song on your musical instrument, which with which you have tool proficiency and give inspiration to your allies who hear the song. The number of allies you can affect is equal to your proficiency bonus, so basically you get a bard ability as a feature. Uh, notably, bards do not give inspiration. They give bardic inspiration, which is a whole different mechanic. Right, so this is a another lucky inspiration, bardic inspiration thing. <laughs> More advantage. Yeah. Uh, is there it's too hard. much advantage? The thing is, even with the more advantage, I'm not sure that musician's the greatest feat. Musician would be an amazing feat if they didn't give you inspiration on nat 20s. Right. It would be great. Um, and Funnily enough, the more humans there are in your party, the less musicians actually going to get used because they already get the advantage on a long rest. Yeah, I, I feel like musician was a good idea that got undercut by the rules posted with it. Yeah, right. I think you would cut the other rules at the at our table and but use this one. Uh, yeah, the way I, I think I'd be fine with. Uh, axing the inspiration on that 20s and if you want to take musician take it as it's written um, just really quick rant right now um, you're getting advantage from inspiration you're getting advantage on when you level up you're getting advantage when you go to sleep as a freaking human you get bardic inspiration you get inspiration when you're level 20 is there too much advantage when you layer it on the top of the fact that the enemies that you're fighting do not get advantage on top of all the advantages you're getting, is 1D&D turning into easy mode? Like, what is this? It does feel like that. Although I have to check something real quick. Bailey, get in there while he's checking. <laughs> to be fair, um, well... Different gamers like different things. A lot of there, it, it depends on what kind of experience you want to go with. There's Dark Souls players, 
there's moderate players, and then there's players that want the easy mode. And, of course, you could always have the easy mode game, but also make it harder by going up against harder creatures. With D&D, there's a... It's not, oh, everybody's getting advantage, so it's easy mode. No, you you could have you could not get all those advantages and still have easy mode based off of what the DM throws at you. Or you can get all those advantages and it still could be hard as hell because the DM is throwing harder things at you. There's the rules may have it lean towards one way, but the experience is going to be very different based on the table that you're playing at. Which is why I'm saving judgment based off of that. Yeah, uh, the thing I checked has no uh, relevancy apparently. <laughs> I, I just wanted to check if monsters could get inspiration, and they can't. If they could, it would be funny. I'm, I'm going to counter-argue myself. Now, I think that newer players, newer DMs, will use the rules as written as their guide to do things. Your more experienced players and DMs will create their own rule set and everything to make things more balanced in their opinion to whatever the players they're using anyways because they have more knowledge of the game, they can make more executive decisions with their gameplay. Based on that argument, to give an easier baseline level with all these extra advantages and not having your creatures have advantages and like that for newer players and newer DMs to try to get even more people into this game that haven't already been in the game. Okay, yes, I can agree with that. And then your more experienced groups, your more experienced players will rule those out and ex exempt those rules. Yes, I, I can see that as the counter-argument. Plus, also... Being able to roll, I mean, rolling with advantage, people try to roll with advantage all the time. And new players, when they get to roll with advantage, they see, oh, I get to roll two dice, and if one of them is a success, as opposed to both of them needing to be a success, uh, and it works, that's a great way to draw in extra um, yeah. extra players. It's a, way, it's a great way to draw new players. Yeah, it's if also... Anybody... Sorry, God. I, I'm just throwing this out there. Uh, I'm currently playing a character that is basically advantage the character. <laughs> that is true. I mean, granted, that that's because I know a lot about the game and I know how to get every source of advantage. But, you know, making it so that new players can also do that without having to fish around through Xanathar's. By the way, this is going to get clipped off as one as a single highlight uh, <laughs> of this whole podcast, I think. Uh, but yeah, now that we trash the hallowed of inspiration, now moving on to Savage Attacker, um, you're trying to deal particular damaging strikes when you take an attack action and hit a target with a weapon. As part of that action, you can roll the weapon's damage dice twice and use either roll against the target. You can use this benefit only once per turn. So, fun fact, this is nerfed from the PHB. Mm-hmm. Because in, yeah. in the PHB, it was pretty much the exact same, but you could also do it on opportunity attacks. Oh, when you take the attack action, I didn't even notice that. 
Okay. Yeah. So they Once nerfed. per turn, when you roll damage for a melee weapon, you can reroll the damage dice or use either total. And use either total. That's all it says. Yeah, once per turn, which means on your turn, on the turn you take a reaction on. Whereas that one, the new 1D&D one, it specifies you need to be attack action, which the opportunity attack is not action. So they nerfed something that no one was taking. It also mentions that you re-rolled the weapon damage dice as opposed to the attack. So it doesn't stat with, like, smite or wooden blade. Right, so if you... It was already dubious if it did, yeah. but, yeah. Right. But there's other features out there that helps you re-roll your fire damage or whatever. Yeah, but that's normally when you're... On fire damage, you're rolling eight dice. This is you're rolling maybe two. Right. This was not good ten years ago. It's worse now. Yeah. <laughs> Skilled. Now, this one, um, several fellow podcasters said this is broken now. Uh, you have a ex exceptional broad learning. Choose three skills in which you lack proficiency. You gain proficiency in those skills. Now, the point about this is, you have to go back a page, is that this is this repeatable? Yes, it is repeatable. Which means, at level, I forget what it is, at level six, 6 or something like that, yeah. you can have a skill proficiency, if you set up correctly with Rogue and everything, you can, set, you can have a proficiency in every single skill the game has to offer, perception, stealth, pickpocketing, athletics, um, acrobatics, whatever, every single one of those, you can have proficiency by level 6. Oh, and you also have to take I the human, I believe, too, in order to do it. Um, so, yeah. Eh. I have played characters that have had expertise in nine skills. Uh, Therese was an expert in multiple skills, I believe. And it's, I mean, it's cool. It's not broken. It's not it was broken. cool on Therese, but it wasn't broken. While you may have skill proficiencies in every single skill, whether or not you're actually using those as opposed to the other players is the question. Because you may have a proficiency in persuasion but if somebody else is talking I'm making them roll, not you you can piss off Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's also like whoa I mean you have proficiency in arcana so does the wizard and he has a better intelligence right and if, if in my opinion if you're making it as broken as it seems as the like as the other youtubers are seeing like oh you have proficiency in all these skills you're you're going to be doing everything that requires you to not let the other players play outside of combat that requires yeah. you to be the main character which dnd is not about one person being the main character if you want to be the main character write a goddamn book or play with yourself yeah i when i was playing my I mean, I was playing, like, 
a level 11 rogue, so I had reliable talent. Um, I was a scout, which got uh, extra expertise, I think, or extra skill proficiency. Uh, threw in a level of ranger, knowledge cleric, three levels of bard. So I had like nine or ten expertises, proficiency in everything, and couldn't roll below a ten. It wasn't really fun. Just a word of note, Therese actually had seven skills, but he also had seven tool proficiencies for a total of 14, by the way. Yeah, and Therese did not make all of the, all of the roles. Yep. He didn't even make all of the roles for, like, reading books. Even oh. Nicholas helped make roles to no. read books that one time. But he did have expertise on all those tool efficiencies, so his, uh, his, his uh, proficiency bonus was doubled for those. I don't know about you, but when I'm making a character, at most I have two skills that I want but can't get proficiency in. And more than three is excessive. Making a note on that Therese thing. If Therese was making the perception or or insights, which well they had proficiency in, it was there were people up in the party that had better bonuses in those. So, yes, you can have proficiency in every single skill. Are you going to use it? Probably not. Unless if you're, in other words, being an asshat. <laughs> yeah. It... Oh, you're split the party and you're on your own. Yeah. But you did have proficiency in both, and it was plus five in both. So it definitely wasn't the best. But so. still plus five. So The only it's... way where you're not being a main character... And having and using your proficiency in every single skill is if you are the only experienced player in a group of movies, and they're specific, and they are not taking the liberties to roleplay their character and stealth and sleight of hand and persuasion and investigation, all that jazz. And even then, I don't think that the newer players would appreciate it. So, what you want to take your skills in are the skills that generally everyone's rolling, like stealth. Mm-hmm. Stealth and perception. Yeah, the big, the big, the big, like, three, I guess. Well, big four, which is perception, stealth, um, persuasion is another big one, which mm-hmm. we mentioned before yeah. about lowering the prices of items and such. Um, and the other one I would say would be either insight is high on the list, also intimidation is also high on the list, Again, charisma-based stuff, too. But, um, yeah, because, I mean, you can And then athletics or acrobatics skills. is the other one. That's, that's the right, big five. Right, athletics or acrobatics. Because those are yeah. specifically based on your character and everybody's going to be needing, needing to make those if you're doing the same thing. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, skilled feet wasn't the top of my list before. It's not the top of my list now, but it's fine. Okay. We're gonna we're we're about almost three hours into this. We're gonna wrap up with the last two here. Uh, Tavern Brawler, which again, remember, grappling is a thing now in one D and D. So uh, when you hit with an arm strike, you deal damage. The blank damage is one D four plus strike modifier. I believe there's no change there for that. Um, uh, you damage rerolls is interesting. You actually reroll on a one, so. <laughs> So 25, 25% of the time, you're going to re-roll. 
<laughs> or you're playing a monk. Yes, but the monk's unarmed strikes um, scale. But yes. you still get the damage reroll because you're unarmed striking, so you can add... So Tavern Brawler is now an option for monks, where it wasn't before. And like I said before, when you're rerolling dice, the, higher, the more you scale that die size up, the better it is. And now all furniture weapons, which you can makeshift weapons, are is a great club. Um, it basically is called a great club. The, the, the whole furniture thing it feels weird, and I don't really want to engage with it because it just feels wrong and restrictive. And I mean, just if you want but to say objects, but the interesting thing is, it doesn't say you have proficiency. It just says you can wield it, and you get the rules as a great club, which I believe is a 1d8. 1d8 two-handed heavy, yes. Yes. So it's basically like a staff. Um, it, so, I mean... If you're using the rules of, of, as a great club, I would consider if you have proficiency in a great club, you'd be fine. And yeah. just as a part of it, like, why not just give them proficiency in it anyway? Yeah, it does say you use okay. the rules of a great club. So if the great club, if you use the rules of a great club, you're proficiency of the great club, then yeah. But your great club is a, uh, it's not a martial weapon, right? It is a simple, it's simple weapon. So pretty much every single class could use it. Here's, here's the funny thing. The tavern brawler can't use a broken bottle as a weapon. Because it's not furniture. Because it's not furniture. That that is weird. I will admit that. It it it. I mean, you can't use it. You can't throw a dead body either because it's not furniture. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, because like, dead body is an object, not a not a uh, not a targetable character. By the way, but a broken bottle is like the definition of a tavern brawler. Yeah, that that's the whole essence of it distilled into one image is. Smash a bottle. Well, that and a bar stool. But and a bar yeah. stool, and you can use the bar stool, but you can't use the broken bottle. They, I mean, there, there had to have been a better way to word it, but I don't know what it is. But the thing is, also the same token, throwing a ch hitting somebody over the back of the head with a chair, which is several times larger than a bottle, which is about the same thing as a dagger. The dagger only does 1d4. You're saying that a broken bottle could do 1d8 damage? Then no, I would say no. It would be using the makes single sense club, which I think is a d6. Uh, a club is a d4. A club is a d4? Oh, okay. A club is a light d4 weapon. But this is a great club. Uh, great club for... Uh, yeah, great club for smaller medium furniture club for tiny oh so it'd be a tiny furniture okay so then yeah and, yeah i think I the reason a they didn't was fine i think i think the reason they didn't say objects is because they didn't want someone killing someone with a pillow <laughs> pillow fight <laughs> he rage <laughs> what's really funny in my in my opinion what's really funny is the Rightful damage for the pillow. portion of it you get the re-rolls on unarmed attacks but not on the furniture Mm. Yeah. I mean, also the shove is pretty good, but that's also just unarmed. Oh, yeah, skip shove. I'm sorry. Uh, when you hit a creature with an unarmed strike as part of the attack action on your turn, you can do damage to the target and also push it five feet away. You can use this benefit only once per turn. 
Which, yeah, I mean, telekinetic is a good feat, and it only moves things five feet. Yeah. It, it helps it, you with disengage. It helps you with disengage. And it helps uh, or you punch someone into a wall of flame. Unarmed strike booming blade? Uh, doesn't work right now because you need a weapon to booming blade. My it fists are my weapons. Uh, it needs to have a gold value. I mean, I guess no. a severed human hand probably costs at least one silver. What are you... What? I was I, I'm a monk punching with un... What are you talking about? I like, was on the path of, path of brass knuckles. Where the hell did I you was, come up I was that? going to brass knuckles, like, behind you, but... Well, I was thinking about that, but then I realized uh, a bare hand also probably counts. Your argument's unbearable. Don't even... <laughs> oh, God. Moving on to tough, our last feat to mention. Uh, your hit point maximum increases... By the amount equal to twice your character level, we gain with this feat. Whenever you gain a level in this feat, your hit points are going to maximum additional two hit points. There is no change in that, I don't think. No, it's... That is exactly the same as it is currently. Maybe different wording, but it's the exact same. Uh, it's the same. It's the same wording, even. It's... Oh, really? Yeah. yeah it's it's uh, copy-pasted. Copy-pasted. It's here because it's a first-level feat in the player's handbook. And for those people who are watching this, not sure about much about D and D, you could use this with a dwarf and having three hit points added on per level. Right, it's yeah. stackable. So it's it's so, good. It's so if it, you have a high con eighteen, which is a plus four, you can do hit points over maximum of two plus three. So you have plus seven HP per level if you really wanted to. So here's here's where my gripe with crafter comes in. Mm-hmm. Go back to crafter now. <laughs> Any character that I'm thinking, like, all right, I want this to be a crafter. Am I going to take the crafter feat, or am I going to take the tough feat? Because the tough feat gives me combat advantage without hampering the flavor. Hmm. I, I, I really like how the crafter feat gives you a discount on buying things rather than. <laughs> I think um, it's fun. Yeah, so it's, yeah, let's talk about crafter again real quick. Um, so if you are buying spell components, that would have to do with your tool proficiency. So say if you were a calligrapher, and you're buying supplies for your inks and papers because that's technically. Um, those same kind of supplies, you would get a twenty percent discount on that, wouldn't you? Uh, I think yeah. it's just anytime you're buying things that aren't magic. Yep. It doesn't even have to be related to your tool proficiency for buying things. Mm. Oh, okay. I was looking at. I was mixing it up with the faster crafting thing. So you know, what's well, no magical item, right? I mean, paper yeah. and the yeah. inks could be argued as magical. Um, I yeah I don't care. <laughs> I hadn't considered spell components before, which is why I thought crafter was heart garbage, heart, hot garbage. But with spell components, it's workable. So you're saying that a eye of newt is a magical item? 
No, no, I'm saying that, yeah, it's... that. You're saying, well, okay, in that vein, you could buy a 300 gold diamond for 20% off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just saying exactly. that the same character types that would take crafter would also take tough. What? And tough is tough is good. It's tough is really good for a first level feat. Yeah. I don't know about a first level feat. I don't know until you get to those higher levels. I really don't think if you're a wizard, you would take tough over crafter or even magic initiate. I tough goes a long way on a wizard. Well, I know tough goes on a wizard because I mean you're only starting with like what. Seven, eight HP. Tough would get you up to a double digit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I. But so having that second level or third, it's when you start getting to those higher levels where it starts really making difference. Yeah, opinion. tough is tough is a weird one because the min maxing side of tough. Tough is best on wizards and sorcerers. It's actually not that great on. Fighters, because it's a less percentage of what you're already getting each level. Yeah, I mean it's great on barbarians because resistance go burr. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's a weird feat. I like oh. tough. But if I take crafter as a wizard, and if I'm buying like a, th a little over a thousand gold worth of items and stuff like that every time I go to a town I'd be saving 216 gold every time I stop in town for components. Here's another thing about crafter and that, that How many also our table is pretty components. unique in that we actually make people buy their spell components Indy did it to me Yeah a lot of tables they'll just say subtract the gold you don't even have to buy it, just subtract the gold, or they might even not do that and just have cast the spell. I see what you're saying. Okay. So they actually make you go out and buy the components, and there's only a certain number of stock and whatnot. Well, I'll take that back. Inti didn't do that to me. He had well, he did it with the papers and inks and all to buy to write into my spell book. Yeah. And when it's... I failed, I had to rebuy that stuff again. I'm just saying, we we adhere to those rules a little more closely than most D&D tables. Right. And we, we go by the um, the uh, magical uh, focus rule, where, uh, where if it doesn't have a cost item that is uh, consumed when you cast the spell, you can just use your spell focus as the root of where you cast the spell from. If it consumes it, for instance, Revivify with a 300 gold piece diamond, you have to have a 300 gold piece diamond, and it does get consumed when you use it. Well, so That's it the rule that almost everybody uses, too. So, If it costs gold pieces as well, you have to have it. Right. Yeah. Not only that, it's consumed. Anytime where a spell consumes a resource. So, uh, I guess, moral of the story, uh, DMs don't prevent crafters from uh, getting discounts on spell components. <laughs> don't nerf the feet. No, don't nerf it, no. I think it's going to wrap it up. So, again, uh, looking back, D&D &D 1 as a whole, what do you think? 
I actually like a lot of it more now that we've had this session. I'm, I like inspiration, the changes they've done to that less. I like critical hits less. But the feats I, I overall like better, the races I overall like better now that I've heard some other opinions. Um, the survey is open for the next six days uh, as the time of correct. the recording. That's correct. There's only one week remaining on the survey. And uh, Bailey, why don't you give your summary while I pull it up? Um, overall, I like 5e better than 1D&D. Um, not just taking the base rules into effect. I, I, I mean, we've already talked about it a lot, too, and I, if we do if we play 1D&D, there's definitely house rules that I would like to implement. Um, I prefer the races of 5e more. I prefer the combat aspect of things, like on the monster side and the inspiration, the 5e more, as well as the critical hits. The beats... I like I like the one D D ones better. I will admit. Um, what other portions were there? It was the races. Oh, the backgrounds. The backgrounds I like more in one D D as well. Just the fact that well, I mean, it gives you a feat straight up. That I like. It gives you a little bit more options, a little bit more power at the beginning of the game rather than. Oh, woohoo! What level one character? What can I do? <laughs> Yeah, but going back to that again, uh, yeah, you can uh, go on to 1dnd.com. You go under the sources. You have to sign in, though. You do need an account, uh, which is free on 1dnd or for D&D Beyond. Um, and you do have until September 15th, which is actually six days away, like you said. Uh, you can download this PDF that we've show, been showing you on the screen, and you can right next to it take the survey. The survey is quite long and quite in-depth. So you are going to have to sit down and go for a very long time to fill it out. Um, I can't pull it up on the screen, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, so September 15th is cut off for that. That's my overview of 1D&D. Um, I did get my uh, little spoof on, <laughs> on inspiration and luck and everything, which I hope we do not bring to our table. Uh, I do hope that we let the monsters still crit at our table because we want the realism of this could be bad. <laughs> Because yeah, that's part of the excitement. <laughs> yeah, I want to keep knocking out a tool with critical hits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's not even here to defend himself. No, he's not even here to defend himself either. He doesn't. He doesn't have his computer here right now. So. <laughs> oh, he's gonna listen to this on his way back from his vacation. And be like, oh, what the hell. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. Again, uh, brought to you by thank you, Anchor, for supporting us as well. If you want to upload any kind of podcast you want, you, you, you can record it, put up music, put your ads in. Everything is all in one queue. It packages it all together and puts it right up on air for you. So it's a great, great uh, tool to use. Once again, I'm Sabrol. Thank you, Bailey. Thank you, Sean, for joining us tonight. As our, we do do these podcasts as Phil for when we don't have a campaign night. And by the way, slight little announcement, not prod, probably down the road in December, apparently <laughs> our, our resident optimizer is going to do a uh, 50th uh, episode one-shot, and it's 
apparently going to be hard. We're going to, what, level 15 or 16 or something like that? 15, yeah. Yeah, 15 or 16th level. And, yeah, he's uh, he's going to put us through the ringer, apparently. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Any suggestions do you think that's going to be besides another Tarrasque? It could be anything. Oh, boy, level 16, yeah. Oh, is it level 16? Yeah, level it 16. Uh, I told him make it Christmas-themed. <laughs> but Tropical. Yeah, he says tropical. Then I, of course, I answered that with a pineapple dre- decorated like a Christmas tree. Um... <laughs> So, so yeah but alright guys that'll take care for us uh, thank you very much for joining us and have a good day or night